Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're taking that icy plunge into our final slumber as we wrap up 2018 with the last pod of the year with another dip into the Criterion Laserdisc Collection, spine number 18, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. But first, RJ. Mm. Merry preemptive Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. This is a non-secular podcast, Jared. I don't know what uh, this Merry Christmas is coming from. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we were waging that war on Christmas here. I thought you were. Isn't that the... Uh, I feel like our roles are reversed here. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Have, a, I have a stance on that one. You know, I'm, I, I don't give a shit. It's all... It's fake. So I'll just... Mm-hmm. I, I can call it whatever I want, you know? Uh, I think it's just, it's just a fun thing to do over the winter. So people don't like, you know, go into depression, like happens during the winter season. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be religious. Yeah. You know what? When I'm at the grocery store, people just say, Hey, Merry Christmas. I go, cool. Merry Christmas to you too. I don't, I don't care. You know, I got a Merry Christmas on the weekend and that's the first one I've had in a while, to be honest, like outside of family. I've had tons. Hmm. I did hear a guy at the grocery store say it to someone else, but then he turned a corner and looked at me and then walked away. So what an ungrateful little prick. Yeah. He can't spread that joy to everyone, just the people that he wants to. Mm-hmm. Selfish. Selfish. Yeah. Hey, Jared, how do you spend Christmas? Uh, eating, driving to people's places, eating, mm. and then like finding time to watch movies when I can. It's the only joy in my life is watching movies and like sitting around and not moving. How's that been? Uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Have, uh, you, have you got a lot of movies watched, Jarrett? Oh, we'll get there. Uh, I think right. I have. I've, uh, you know, I, I sometimes people like spend the whole month like weirdos for a holiday. Mm-hmm. Like that takes, it's like one day mm-hmm. and they spend an entire month watching just like whatever stupid movies. But, uh, oh, like genre-specific stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, like those dudes who watch nothing but horror movies yeah. in, uh, during October? Morons, I yeah. call them. Yeah. Who would waste their time like that? I mean, I guess someone could start like a podcast, like the C- Christmas Curriculum, and uh, they mm-hmm. just... <laughs> I think that's a, that's a subreddit called Dank Christian Memes. Uh, I think that, uh, that already exists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh boy! Oh hey, boy. so uh, do you and Chanel get each other presents, or uh, are you a stockings family, or is it just a, a handshake and a? Uh, we, a we, how do you do? We each got one another a house this year. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Chanel doesn't like stuff, and I yeah. am really impossible to shop for because I'm very particular about my stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just easier for us to like, kind of just. Every, all year is a Christmas because we just buy things when we want them. Mm. That's how we uh, we do it. And uh, one and look maybe around you our take uh, each other out for your favorite meal. 
Yeah, I mean, like we, taco time. Like I think uh, yesterday we went and grabbed ourselves some Colonel's creamy caramel popcorn. Ooh, and we're just uh, straight caramel. Yeah, well, we wanted the double hit, you know, but they were out, so we had mm-hmm. to settle. And that's and that's like crack to me. I just yep. will fucking eat that all day long. I like the Super Kid, but uh, I've been told that I've been told that uh, that's a, a pretty a weak, pathetic loser popcorn. So. <laughs> Do people, Whatever. Do people like see it and just like hit it from the bottom while you're eating yeah. it into your face? They're like, hey, nerd. And they hit it. And I'm like, hey, I'm eating Super Kid here. Yeah. Uh, Andrea is a fan of the Chicago pop. Okay. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, it's pretty pretty big staple around the popcorn bit game. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. I wonder how relevant this conversation is to people outside of uh, Canada. Oh, do you, do you think they don't know what Super Kid popcorn is? I don't know. Let us know, folks, because no one let us know in the last four days what's going on with their lives. The, the, the mailbag's empty. Well, that's that's also because we're recording a little earlier we're than normal. Little, we're recording a little early, and people are probably busy with this uh, this Christmas nonsense. Mm. Well, a, a quick Google search of Super Kid popcorn, and you can uh, figure out whatever we're what, what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, you're probably right. People probably don't know what we're talking about, and I say fuck them. You know what? All popcorn's awesome. Uh, yes. I've had, had kernels. I don't know if you could go wrong. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, how do you feel about, like, cheddar-powdered things? Oh, you mean, like, uh, like toppings for popcorn? Like, yeah. you know how they have salt and vinny, like, yeah. powdered salts? Yeah. Is that what, is that what you're Dou- talking about? Dou- yeah, yeah. yeah, cheddar-doused popcorn. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I, um, I, I, I'd prefer anything but. But I would eat it's it. Not, it's, I'm sure it's just as delicious, but mm-hmm. it's not my uh, caramel. It's definitely not my favorite. I would rather just have normal stuff. Uh, actually, Andrea makes quite a bit of popcorn at home. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, sometimes, you know what? I'm just a butter and salt kind of guy. But uh, sometimes Andrea, um, when we melt the butter, she puts hot sauce in it. And that's a that's a nice little treat. A nice a little treat, Jarrett. So, anyways, uh, Christmas, hey, hey, what? Yeah. This is the Christmas pod, right? Did you get Andy some shit? Oh, I got some stuff. We do, uh, we do stockings. Uh, she has a problem with my stocking because uh, it is comically large. Like I'm talking unnecessarily huge, but uh, I don't care. Like overcompensating. No, well, I mean, it wasn't. I didn't buy it. Uh, it is my ch- childhood stocking. Uh, and it is a little big, um, but I always say that because uh, she's like, "You're a spoiled kid, you and your family getting these huge stockings." And I say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Our stockings uh, always came with a new pair of pajamas, some underwears, and some socks, and that filled the sucker right up to the top. And then there'd be like a candy on top, so it wasn't like luxury stockings full of Xboxes and fabulous toys. It was essential things, but I like it because." Uh, it's uh, it's mine, you know. My mom would um draw stuff and hot glue it to it. So I got a, a troll doll hot glued on the top, and then there's some Ninja Turtles and some Ghostbusters and some Looney Tunes. <laughs> you're uh, you're dazzled by a, my a, tales. A, a child, and Andrea's right. Well, whatever. I mean, I, I'm just trying to keep that Christmas spirit, baby. Mm-hmm. I haven't lost it yet. I'm not like you. I've got some. <laughs> you you have some Christmas cheer? Yeah. Is that you're drinking over there, eggnog? Uh, nope. My usual diet sev. 
It's delicious. Mm. Um, I always look at eggnog in the cooler at the uh, grocery store like I saw it today, and I was just like, nah. You're not feeling it? No, I like eggnog, but I don't like having a carton in the house because like, one glass is about all I'll ever need. And then uh, mm. I, cause if, I, oh, no. So you, you're more of like if you're at a Christmas party and there's some nog on display, you're like, I'll have a cup. Yeah, but if it's like... And a cup is all you would like. But if it's like in a movie bowl, like Mm -hmm. something out of uh, Christmas Vacation where people just are coming along and scooping it out, it's like, no, dude. You're not into that? No. That that stuff's like, no, it's dairy. But if someone coughed on it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Uh, I don't know. I like nog. I don't know if I've ever had egg nog served in like a punch bowl. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hope not. I don't think so. Yeah. Room room temperature nog. Mm, with like cheese in it. Anyways. Wow. That was fairly disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Wow. So well, I, that's our Christmas episode. Yeah, good night. Mm-hmm. We'll play it out. Hey, RJ. What? what? What have you been creeping on this festive Christmas season? Well, it's so nice of you to ask, Jarrett. Uh, I have a few. I don't have many, but uh, I've been busy, my man. Bullshit. I've been busy, and I will continue to be busy. Uh, the, our next episode, I will likely not have a whole, whole heck of a lot to talk about. So you better do some heavy lifting. Watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. as you do. Uh, well, uh, since it's the season, and uh, I'm not being one of them diehard guys. I uh, watched all the Lethal Weapons for <laughs> oh. your requ- request. Yeah. Um, so, so do you have the moral high ground here? I am on the high ground, but uh, what's there to say about these movies? They are so, horrible. Yes. Yeah. They are pretty, they are pretty bad. Um, oh, man. Uh, and this is coming from you, the, <laughs> the biggest acolyte follower of goddamn Mel Gibson there is. And this is like... Perhaps like his most well-known franchise. Oh, for sure. But I mean, he it's his most known franchise, but I don't think he has any other franchises other than maybe Mad Max, right? But his standalone movies are far, far, far superior to the Lethal Weapons. Um, I like Mel, obviously. I talk about him all the time, but uh, I like him in these and he's pretty good. But uh like, I mean, if not for him and Danny Glover, and then in these ones, Joe Pesci, these movies would be completely fucking unwatchable. Like, if you had, like, Jake Busey, Gary Busey's son, as uh, Riggs, and then, like, Damon Waynes Jr. as Murtaugh, it would be, like, it'd be pretty tough to watch, Jarrett. It'd be pretty <laughs> tough to watch. And I'm saying that fully aware that Damon Waynes is the new Murtaugh in uh, the TV show. But mm. it's, like, they... If these movies didn't even have him, it was like his son, one of his sons or something. But Mel is nice, and I like Mel quite a bit. But yeah, these movies are pretty dumpy, man. Uh, I so <laughs> so I talked about one before, and one's okay. It's like it's kind of takes itself too seriously though, where it's all the stuff. It's like Mel Gibson's suicidal. <laughs> He's got a death wish. Isn't that fucking edgy? And you're like, all right, whatever. Um, I can see, I think, I think these movies probably would have played well in the eighties, but now like 30 years later, it's kind of like, mm, mm. and, uh, I'm saying this too. Uh, I watch these, I think I said before on TBS all the time 
because they would just play like the edited versions on TBS yeah. all the fucking time, year round, just year round on loops. And uh, so I, I've seen them quite a bit. It's been a few years though. Uh, number two, I think, is the best. Um, this is the one that I actually kind of enjoyed watching out of all of them, uh, more so than one, which I think is contrary to a lot of people. A lot of people seem to like the first one, but I think two is the best. Is it because it has diplomatic community? Diplomatic immunity. Uh, that is absolutely why. Yeah. But uh, it's the best like <laughs> representation of all of it where they kind of it's not played completely for jokes like three and four uh, three and four are. Uh, it still has like a semi they're trying to do a story a little bit, whereas in the next two, I feel like they kind of lose that. Uh, but they're still trying to do a story and they have the diplomatic immunity villain, which is just an awesome villain. Because uh, every every single thing, it's like that's illegal. He's like diplomatic immunity, <laughs> and you're just like, oh shit! All right, uh, this one also what? You can just murder and do whatever you want, rape, well, that's how, kill. That is how it works. Because yeah, I'm going back to South Africa. Yeah, going back to South Africa, uh, and that's played pretty good. But that guy, uh, Joss Joss Ackland, that guy's so awesome in this thing. Um, but this also has Joe Pesci come into it. And uh, I think that's what this franchise needed more than anything else was Joe Pesci. And watching these movies, Jared, more than taking out anything from Lethal Weapon or my main man, Mel, it mostly just made me miss Joe Pesci because it's like, you know what? I do wish he was in more stuff. I mean, I can watch the stuff he's he was in and appreciate that. But at the same time, it's like I miss him. Well, you we- will always have those Snickers commercials. Yeah, and eight heads in a duffel bag, mm-hmm. that uh, cinematic uh, achievement. The super. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I also like uh, Gone Fishing with uh, Lethal Weapon alum and friend Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good movie too, Jared. But anyways, I like Joe Pesci in these comedy things, which I think no one would ever say, but I like them. So Lethal Weapon 2, you got that diplomatic immunity. Uh <laughs> Mel Gibson, his hair is more wild and uncontained than ever. There, uh, This one has my favorite scene of anything where uh, it's Murtaugh on the toilet for like two days. Uh, I also actually, you know what? I really fucked up. I should have watched Loaded Weapon, the uh, uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Uh, that, that movie I love a lot where they go in when uh, they recreate the toilet scene. And he's like, what's the matter? Sam Jackson just goes, nothing. Taking a shit. Uh, I love that. It's good stuff. So, Lethal Weapon has two has that. It also has a. There's something else in this one that I can't even remember right now. A good action scene. Okay. See, I watched this movie like two days ago, and I don't even remember it. Uh, this one starts weird though. It has the uh, the Warner Brothers logo has the Looney Tunes music play at the start of Lethal Weapon two. It's kind of like out of place like because nothing else in that movie is like looney tune e i want to say that it might have had to do with the fact that it was like the anniversary of looney tunes that year mm, and so other movies had it i maybe i don't know there was something about that because i remember like lots of stuff in like 89 might have used mm-hmm. it for some reason mm. hard to say but i don't know lethal weapon 2 is pretty good i think it has a, a good mix of the comedy and the action. It's got the fun toilet scene. Uh, you get some people. You get some diplomatic immunity. It's good stuff. You know what's not good stuff? Lethal Weapon 3. 
Weasel Weapon 3 is worse than people give it credit for. Like, I, I see a lot of pretty good ratings on here, but I actually think Weasel Weapon 3 might be as bad as 4, if not maybe even worse. So Weasel Weapon 3 is like gun runners, and it's like uh, ghetto ones, and it's this like big play between like Danny Glover and his son, who's like... Mm mixing with uh, like gangster kids that like all dropped out of high school and Danny Glover's like oh shit is my son going down a dark path and you're like ooh no and he's like also going to retire but uh, him and Riggs are like Riggs is like you can't retire Murtaugh uh, we're in this together man we we's, uh, we's partners that's how Mel Gibson talks in this one so like I don't know I feel like the actual because in each one of these there's like a bigger plot line that they always stumble on. It's yeah. never that they like, it's just kind of like they're there uh, it, Four, I think is the most egregious one, but I'll <laughs> get there. Um, so like we, the weapon three is like, they just kind of stumble upon it. And then it's like the thing that they've used in lots of other movies, like uh, showtime with Robert De Niro, which I've talked about before where it's a, like uh, armor piercing bullets. That seemed that was like a big thing for like 20 years in movies where it's like these these guys on the streets, they got these armor piercing bullets that uh, bulletproof the best cuts right through Kevlar. You. Yeah, it cuts right through Kevlar and you get a demonstration where Mel Gibson yeah. shows it. And then it's like there's a scene where he like looks at uh, Murtaugh because Murtaugh is retiring. So he's wearing a vest. And then Mel Gibson's like, you might as well take that vest off now. And like, it's played up like he didn't talk about it before, but he knew about it. And then like he waited until the demonstration. Mm -hmm. I was like, what do you, it's like, why would you wait? It's bizarre. Whatever. But so yeah, this one has like that storyline in the background, but I feel like it doesn't even really come into play at all in this one Mm -hmm. until like it's convenient at, at the end where they needed like a shootout. But the majority of this movie is just introducing Rene Russo, who is fine. But like, I don't know, it it feels like in this one, they kind of they just forgot all the other stuff where number one, Mel Gibson's like torn up about his wife who was killed because he was a cop. And then number two, he has an affair with that South African girl and then she gets killed because he's a cop. And it's just like, oh, it's like per Riggs or poor Riggs. He'll never find love because he's a policeman and he sacrifices it for for the job. But in this one, they're like, oh, whatever. Give her a girl. Give him a girlfriend now. Who cares? But she's also like tough and spunky, Jarrett. She gets a fight scene where she's like straight kicking people in the dick. And you're like, oh, shit, Rene Russo. What'd you do? But yeah, Lethal Weapon 3 is pretty dumpy. Like, uh, I don't know. I think Lethal Weapon 3 is... See, I can't even remember. I watched them two days ago. I think this is the one that starts with uh, there's it's either this one or yeah, it's definitely this one where it's a guy who has a flamethrower and he's in like a <laughs> welder suit and he's just like flamethrowing like uh, downtown and they just like stumble upon him and they're like shooting him. But his welder's helmet is like deflecting yep. bullets and yeah. they're like, oh, we can't can't shoot through the bullets ma- or through his helmet. And it's like, what? Or I don't think Welder's helmets can like do that, but okay, whatever. So then Danny Glover like gets naked and box like a chicken. Yeah. And then Mel Gibson shoots the guy's tank, which rockets him into <laughs> a gas station, and then he explodes. And you're watching it, you're like, holy shit! Like, what? What? What an intro, Jared. Yeah. 
but then they like never really learn anything from this. And the thing with this, I feel like it kind of sets a bad precedent for people where it's like, man, cops can get away with anything where uh, they like stumble. They kill in number two. They kill that like political uh, whatever he was, whoever, whatever that guy was who had diplomatic immunity. They kill him with like out any consequences in this one. They're like blowing up city blocks and it, they're just like, oh, Riggs and Murtaugh. They're like, we going to get you one of these days. And it, I don't know. They like one time they get demoted, but that's it. <laughs> but then I don't know. There's always they're always in situations where it's like uh, it's like I don't think like street cops would be doing this stuff. Where they like stumble upon there's a bomb in a van in a building at one point and they go in to like deactivate the bomb. And even Danny Glover's like, we should wait for the bomb squad. And Mel Gibson's like, nah, nah, we're fine. But then he pulls the wrong wire and then the entire building blows up and then they just get demoted. They're like, you're uh, you're wearing your blues again. You're, oh. you're street beat cops. But it's like, is that the only consequence? They blew up an entire building. Uh, I can't, I think a lot of that happens in three, but you're just, you're watching it and you're like, I know these aren't like supposed to be very thoughtful, cerebral movies where you're just like, oh yeah, they really thought this through. But there's so many. It's not the wire. It's not the wire, no. (laughs) But there's so many things where you're just like, I don't feel like normal cops could like be in this situation. This seems bizarre. Uh, And then we get to Lethal Weapon 4 which you have stated is probably the worst movie you've ever seen. No, 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 no. What I said was it was, the fir- it was the first film I ever was in a theater at where I was like, I want to leave. I, I want to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. To be clear, I don't know if it's yeah. the worst movie. I I, I know. I, I definitely it's, have seen. It's not wor- the worst. As, yeah. as of today, I've definitely seen worse films than Lethal Weapon oh, 4. Good. But uh, Lethal Weapon 4 is certainly uh, not a good time. Yeah. Well, it was written by Channing Gibson, which I can only assume is like one of Mel Gibson's kids. Uh, this guy's other screenwriting credits are Walking Tall, the remake, and uh, Cradle to the Grave, also oh, with Jet Li yeah. and DMX. Yeah. So this one, uh, as I mentioned before, the like the main the background storyline is like the most egregious because it's like they're on a boat out in the lake wherever they live, and. Uh, just this huge Chinese boat, like it sneaks up on them somehow. They they have like a shark on their boat and Joe Pesci wants to shoot the shark with a gun. Mm-hmm. And Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are like, oh, you're crazy, Leo. You're crazy for wanting to shoot that shark with a gun. And then there's like an air horn. It's like, and then this huge like freight ship <laughs> is right beside them. And it's like no one, they didn't notice that at all. And then the ship starts shooting at him with a machine gun. And you're like, wait a minute. You're like, why would that happen? And so Riggs jumps on that boat, blows it up. And then they find <laughs> they find like a, a 200 illegal Chinese immigrants like mm. in the uh, the hall of the uh, the huge ship. And you're like, OK, so they were smuggling these uh, like illegal immigrants in. But then they also just open fire on like a little dinghy boat for no reason. Well, did, that did, doesn't make a lot of they, sense. They thought that when they were shooting the shark, they were shooting at the boat. They never did shoot the shark, though. Oh. Uh, he just wanted to. And then like when when uh, Murtaugh's boat gets blown up, the shark is in the water with Joe Pesci. That's uh-huh. why it's so comical, Jared. Uh-huh. That's why it's so comical. So uh, they find like all these Chinese immigrants and then they put them in detention and you find out that they were being brought in by like 
this uh, Chinese mafia mob boss guy who also owns a Chinese restaurant. And then his like nephew is Jet Li. And you can tell Jet Li's serious because he doesn't talk, but he has a ponytail. Uh, and he wears like traditional clothing and things like that. <laughs> Um, and then that's where I feel like this one really shows where it's like, this is very, uh, the abuse of police power where Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, like go into the restaurant and just start breaking shit. Like they're breaking like plate glass windows and like fish tanks and they just pull the fire alarm and they're like, we're going to get you one of these days. We're no, you're, you're into bad stuff. And like they break all of this stuff and it's like, what? Can they do that? It's like they they come off like the bad guys in this one a lot because it's like they're being so shitty to this like Chinese restaurant. Yes, they were involved in the mafia, but still, it's like I don't know if cops can do that stuff. Um, and then also one of the reasons this movie is so bad is because they introduce uh, in all in in all four of them. There's this thing which is like kind of weird in the first two where Danny Glover's oldest daughter is really into Mel Gibson. And it's always this joke where it's like, you better not like date my daughter, Mel Gibson. And he's like, I'm not going to, she's like 15. Uh, But it's a joke in all of these. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then in this one, the daughter is pregnant. uh, But Danny Glover doesn't know who the, the father is and then it turns out to be like this new detective that they don't like because he's really annoying played by chris rock who is in the news yesterday apparently for things i guess uh louis ck things Uh i saw Mm -hmm. but anyways chris rock is in this and then every scene with chris rock turns into chris rock stand-up where it is literally jokes from chris rock stand-up that i have seen yeah and it's him just reciting jokes from his stand-up for like two minutes at a time in this. And it's, it's like gives him the spotlight. And it's like, it's like, why is this happening? Like, why is why was this a part of this over two hour long movie uh, where they just felt the need where it's like, let's just give Chris Rock a vehicle to get a stand-up out there. It's like, is this stand-up already on video uh, available for purchase? And it's like, sure it is. But uh, fuck that. Why don't why don't we just put it out in this one, too? Yeah. Hey, folks, think, come come pick yeah. up Bigger and Blacker right over here. Right over here. Yeah. So I think that is the worst part of this movie. And it's not even that they're like bad jokes or anything, but it's like completely it's confusing. Yeah. yeah, it's confusing. You're like, wait a minute. Why is Chris Rock doing stand up right now? I thought this was like the Lethal Weapon movie. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, the Lethal Weapons aren't very good, man. Good. They're not very so I I can say that uh, you were on the right side of history for this one and we'll we'll never talk about it again. Outstanding. Until well, I mean I'm I'm kind of disappointed you didn't watch Lethal Weapon five. Is there a oh uh, the Always Sunny Lethal Weapon five? Correct. Is uh, is that uh, loggable on Letterbox? I don't believe so. But if I, it was, I, I, I checked. I have seen that. Yeah. With uh, Mac and Dennis in full blackface. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually mo- more upset that I didn't watch Loaded Weapon. Maybe I'll, I'll get that to watch for uh, the new year. Well, and I mean, if you're on such a, like, a big Joe Pesci kick, you could also watch Without Honors. I, I could. I don't know if I will, but I could watch that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like Joe Pesci. I, I wish I saw more Joe Pesci and other things, but what are you going to do? Uh, so do you want to hear about one of the best movies ever made? Uh, absolutely. Small Soldiers from 1998 by Joe Dante. Oh. I can say is one of the best movies ever made. Confirmed. 
It's not just nostalgia. Mm. So uh, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I had the VHS in the clamshell. Uh, I had a couple of these toys. I had a couple of the army men, uh, the commando elites, and then I had a couple of the Gorgonites. I know a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, he has one of the Gorgonites still uh, on his computer desk. They're pretty wicked, Jared. So, Jared, have you seen Small Soldiers? Saw it in the theater. Yeah, me too, man. Me too, when I was eight years old. Uh, I loved this movie. Uh, I thought this was a Christmas movie. And I turned it on and we watched it. And I was like, oh, this doesn't take place near at Christmas at all. Nope. It's a... There's a banner that says it's Oktoberfest, so that's like September. Um, so I don't know why I thought this was. Maybe it came out at Christmas in theaters no, to sell the toys. It, it was totally in no? the summer. Oh, well. Yeah. Maybe I just thought it was a Christmas movie because maybe I got one of these toys for Christmas. You might have. I, I, I remember uh, before this movie came out, going to the toy store. like Because I was, uh, I guess I would have been, how many years older am I than you? Seven? Like Seven, eight, eighteen, eighteen hundred years. So yeah, I was. You would have been like fifteen, fourteen. Yeah, I was in. Yeah, I was in that junior high, high school level. I remember like a friend and I. We were super into going to Toys R Us every Friday, scoping out those uh, DC animated toys whenever they came through. But then I was checking out like just kind of the the the. That was a window. That was a really good period of time. The late nineties, uh, toys were actually getting good, and actually started mm-hmm. looking the way that the tv shows or movies looked and uh yeah. yeah i remember like being like oh these small soldier toys are kind of neat and i'm like oh man this is gonna be awesome it's gonna be a movie about like toys and then i remember watching the movie and being kind of like oh oh don't do that don't do that okay have you ever rewatched it never okay i own it on dvd if i lend it to you will you watch it no <laughs> unbelievable okay well i'm gonna talk about it then <laughs> so for people who might not know because i know that uh as old as you are uh i've recently discovered that i am becoming old you yes. so i bet there's a lot of people who don't know what small soldiers is about so small soldiers you have tobias funke and jay moore and they are the holdouts of a toy company that gets bought out by a huge uh like military company called global tech run by dennis leary Dennis Leary comes in and he's like, I bought these toys because we're branching out. We're trying to get back to the American people. Make me some really wicked toys. Put that shit out there. Use whatever you want from our like resources. Just do it. So uh, Tobias Funke, he has an idea for these things called the Gorgonites. And they're kind of like monsters, but they're very peaceful monsters that live out in the woods. Uh, and then Jay Moore has an idea for these things called the Commando Elites. Oh, and they're just Remember what? Jay Moore? Oh, I do remember Jay Moore. He had a he show. He was in this. He had a TV show. He did have a show. Well, fuck him. Uh, so he, his idea is the Commando Elites, and they're like real tough army guys. So what happens is they're making these toys, and Dennis Leary's like, uh, he watches a commercial, and he's like, can they really walk and talk and stuff like that? And they're like, no, they're toys. And he's like, oh, well. He's like, make that happen. So uh, Jay Moore puts... He looks on the site's database and he finds a serious uh, military-grade uh, information processor chip or something is what they call it in this. You get some good Googling, uh, state-of-the-art uh, processing chips and things like that. Um, and so he finds this like this 
pro uh, this like uh, chip that goes into ballistic missiles, and he puts it in the toys. Uh, and then you have this shitty little kid named Gregory Smith, who is in The Patriot, and he was in Hobo with a Shotgun, and things like that. He's a Canadian kid, um, and he is the son of a old fashioned toy store uh, dad. So the dad like makes all the toys out of wood and he doesn't like technology. And so he's running this store and he gets some of these toys. Uh, and then the neighbors are Kristen Dunst and they kind of have like a little romance. And her dad is Phil Hartman, RIP. And Phil Hartman has all sorts of technology and stuff. You see the interplay here, Jarrett? There's a lot of layers in this movie. Mm. A lot of layers. So uh, this kid gets these toys and uh, he unwraps the Gorgonite and it's the leader played by frank langella uh and then he unwraps the leader of the uh army guys and that's played by tommy lee jones and then he sees that they're not really toys that they like fight and what happens is the toys all break out the army guys try to kill all the gorgonites uh and then you this whole movie is about like the gorgonites trying to hide and then the army men uh, attacking the actual kids and then eventually the families to destroy the Gorgonites, as that is their main directive. This doesn't sound very American. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that. Maybe they were the real monsters, Jarrett. I don't like the sound of this ism here. I'm hearing. Hmm. So you have what I can only describe as one of the most perfectly crafted movies in cinema. Uh, everything fits so nice, Jarrett. It's it's so good. Uh, this thing, I love the Gorgonites so much i really like freakenstein he gets like destroyed and they rebuild him and he's got like feet for hands uh they're super cute they're like cats and they're very sweet and they're just like we we they're like we just want to be left alone but then the army men come in and they're like super uh sadistic uh in this movie we were watching it and there were certain there were a couple parts where andrea was just like holy shit she's like this is a kid's movie i was like oh yeah because the army men like they cranked this shit up to 11 where they're using like nail guns and they're shooting like buzz saws at these kids and flamethrowers. They set one kid on fire and other kids, they're like poking him with nails. One kid gets stabbed. Uh, like they, they try to kill these kids for real. And uh, I love it. Um, I think this movie looks great. Uh, a lot of it is practical effects. Uh, and the, the little bit of CGI that they use, I think look, uh, this movie's 30 years old and I think it holds up like amazing because the way that they designed the toys and they actually build the action figures when they animate them, it doesn't seem like out of place where it's not like animation put on like imposed onto real stuff. I think it looks great even now, 30 years later. Uh, so I like that. I love the way this movie set up. The only there's some corny stuff with the uh, the kid and Kirsten Dunst where they're like super smooth with each other, and it's like mm, I don't think like 12 year old kids talk like that, but oh well. Uh, but the big thing that uh, I like in this movie, and I think you would like as well, is I don't know if you know Jared, but this has an all star cast, voice cast. Uh, so as the Gorgonites, you have Spinal Tap credited as spinal tap you got michael mckean and harry Shearer, all those uh whatever that other guy's name is so they're credited as the gorgonites and then the commando elites are the original cast except for the dead ones of uh, the dirty dozen so you have frank langella you have our boy ernest borgnine that's right jim brown bruce dern george kennedy 
Clint Walker, they're all there, man, except for uh, Bronson. But I think he was dead by this point, right? Uh, me. When... Was he dead? When did Bronson die? Uh, early 2000s. Okay, so he just didn't want to be in it then? <laughs> yeah, probably. He was probably okay, he died old. in 2003. Yeah. And this came out five years before. Yeah. So, he was yeah, fun. maybe he was just old. But Dick Miller is in this thing too. Well, of course he is. Of course he is. Phil Hartman. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going to stand by it. I think uh, Small Soldiers is an all-time banger. And uh, you would be a fool not to love this movie. Okay. A fool, Jarrett. So I don't care what you say. Uh, I know I'm very back and forth with Joe Dante. Um, the Burbs is another one of my favorite movies. And uh, Matinee is pretty good. But I think The Howling is uh, just garbage. And I didn't really like Piranha that much. And Gremlins is fine. I don't know. I would maybe have to rewatch Gremlins. Gremlins is cool, but I was never like super hot into it. Like with gizmo tattoos and shit all over my body like some people are. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, The Burbs and Small Soldiers, that's two five-star movies right there. So, mm. Yeah, The Burbs I'm not too hot on either. I love yeah, that. I don't I, care I, what I, your opinion I, is. I, lo- I love that movie when I was a kid. But then I watched yeah. it not that long ago and I was kind of like, Oh, mm. well, I don't know. I don't well, know about this Joe Dante. I'm just here to say that Small Soldiers is a certified hit. And if anyone listening to this podcast wants to uh, feel pure cinematic wonder gold, just watch Small Soldiers. Yeah. So then uh, we watched a Jarrett pick. I actually didn't finish it. Uh, Andrea finished it. But uh, I'm a little surprised by this. And I'd be very interested to hear what you've been creeping on this week, uh, especially any early 2000 movies from Brett Ratner. But no uh, I'll let you get to that on your own, at, at your own pace. So that's all I watched. And uh, I'll just hand it off to you. All right, RJ. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been watching Christmas movies. Yes, you have. Uh, first up, this was an RJ pick. In a, an actual sense or a loose sense where I was like, oh, that's a Christmas movie. Well, I can. In the I way know, I take things. Somewhere in between. Okay. I watched uh, Krampus. Oh, yeah. I, I did tell you to watch that. Yeah. That uh, Mike Doherty film. Doherty. Doherty. Uh, was it good? No. I don't think it okay. was, actually. Uh, so it seems like people are kind of like okay on this. They seem to be like, yeah, I appreciate it. It was charming. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I thought this movie, like the first three quarters of this were bad. Like just like mm-hmm. very much like it's trying to be a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation thing. Yeah. Like it's like pretty well ripped right from that. But it has like Adam Scott's horrible in this. Like he has nothing to do. Like mm-hmm. there's, he just does that whole Adam Scott looking bewildered face like, mm-hmm. all the time. He has no character whatsoever. He's just like yeah. bewildered dad. And uh, it's like, what's, what's going on? I'm always reacting and being dumbfounded and like above it. It's kind of like the uh, worst thing to come out of like uh, Jim, Jim in the office. The, mm. the, the, the guy's too cool for school. Uh, we have Hereditary's yeah. Tony Collette who. Oh yeah. I forgot. I, she's like, I think I'd argue is better in this than hereditary because i don't know easy you're gonna get a lot of hate mail here no i'm saying calling it like i see it uh david kochner doing his uh same shtick yeah so krampus uh we have like the cousin eddie what's his ass Mm -hmm. from anchorman yeah Uh, david kochner yeah that's what i meant he's doing his shtick okay i i I didn't realize that was his name uh yeah he he does his shtick there's like fat belligerent poor people 
that have lots of guns. Uh, mm-hmm. They they show up. They're the in laws. We have the the naive moppet of a kid who's just like, yeah. I want everyone to be together. Here's my sincere letter. And then you get like the scene with like the the trash families, like uh, two daughters who are very tomboyish and they start reading the letter mm-hmm. and they ruin everything. But the, the whole time you have like the parents who are just like ineptly sitting there, just letting things unfurl and get worse. It's just like, mm-hmm. these people are stupid. Like they're just like bad parents. And this movie's like completely lost me. I could care less what's yeah. going on. Like this isn't how these things would play out except for yeah. in the mind of a screenwriter. Um, and then, yeah, the reveal of Krampus on top of the rooftop is just so mm. underwhelming. <laughs> like it's not yeah. well shot or interesting. It's just like, Oh, there it is. And Oh, now there's an action scene happening. And then the daughter's just like written out of the movie. And I was just mm. like, that's really weird. And then just like things just kind of keep happening. Um, uh, I, that aunt, the, the fat aunt who was just like a straight shooter and belligerent and rude. Oh yeah. Terrible. Uh, everything is just like stereotypes. Good. And, uh, Good. it desperately wants to be like, I don't know what, what they expect. I mean, we'll, yep. we'll talk about more Christmas movies and good quality ones. This is just like, I don't know. There's something about the two thousands, this window of time of making movies. It's like, none of it feels sincere. It's mm-hmm. all like, hey, let's make a let's make a Christmas movie because you get like it's a good way of uh, setting yourself up for uh, good re- royalties, good mm-hmm. returns uh, when people buy this crap perpetually. And if you make one halfway decent, uh, it doesn't even matter if it's good, how great it is. You just have to make mm-hmm. it good enough. And this just I don't know. This is just felt like it's probably got better production values than a lot of uh, Christmas horror movies do. But mm-hmm. the first three quarters of this, I thought were bad. The last quarter, though, I thought was like when the effects kick in and the mm-hmm. L starts showing up and things all go wacky and crazy. At least there was like some effort put into that part. Yeah. But the, the characters themselves were bad, like flat mm-hmm. uh, characters in a movie that you're, like, you're mm-hmm. they, they want you to just like. But it's like, no, you have to actually win people over. Like, if you want to be like, make an 80s yeah. throwback sort of movie, you have to like, look at how 80s films constructed those characters to like, give give people something to like, oh, hey, I recognize that character as someone in my mm-hmm. family rather than, hey, it's like Rusty. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you have to like mm-hmm. go more than that. But yeah, I, uh, well, I'm glad you watched it. I can't remember. I think because I talked about it last year when I watched it. And I think I was like, just warm on it. Because I think I had some of the same issues that you do. Uh, I the stuff I liked is kind of like what you said. The back end there. Uh, I think some of the creature, some of the creatures were cool. The Jack in the like box. Like at the end, monster, the Jack in the yeah. box and like stuff like that. I like those parts. Uh, but yeah, there is some some junk in there. I think too, a lot of it is just Krampus fatigue. Whereas like. Yeah. It was like in the last 10 years, it's like now we have 8,000 Krampus movies. And it's well, like, it's why did we need this? 16. There's 16 yeah, of 8, them. 8,000 about them. And then I, I remember, I think I watched that last year because people were raving about, uh, even though it didn't come out last year, people were like, oh, remember that opening scene of Krampus where they're fighting at uh, shopping? Oh. It's like, oh, it's so edgy. No, and then you like watch no. it and you're like, okay. No, that's like one of the worst parts. That made me check out yeah, immediately. But pe- people love that, remember? Do you, do, do you remember? No. Yeah. No, I no remember one, no one should have liked that because it's so bad. Well, one the one editing, popular horror podcast seemed to really the, like the, it. The, the editing on that is so poor and it's so mm-hmm. try hard and it's too many. It's overdone. It, it sucked. 
That yeah. that that was one of the worst mistakes they made is that yep. opening because I I was just like uh, hostile. I was watching this with Chanel and we <laughs> both were just like yelp. And mm-hmm. uh, Chanel just kind of gave up on it altogether, I think. She and just left after like 10 minutes. She's like, I, I'm out of here. Yeah, she kind of like kind of came and went. And I'm like, oh, and at the end, oh, snow globes. And I went, yep, it's got to set that potential up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad you watched it. Uh, not totally an RJ pick, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. No, you're, you're taking it. I'll take it. So yeah. uh, that was a that was a miss. So mm-hmm. we followed it up with uh, a highly regarded classic film that neither of us had ever seen, Miracle on 34th Street. Well, I don't I, I think I've seen this like at school when I was a little kid, but yeah, uh, so I, I couldn't tell you what happens in it if I did. Well, it's real uh, Santa, d- 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 right? D- d- well, it's a guy who th- thinks he's Chris Kringle. Um, okay. And there was a remake, John Hughes involved remake uh, from like uh-huh. the 90s. Uh, I remember like this when I remember when the remake came out. I've never seen either one. They just neither of them really looked appealing to me. They didn't have like mm-hmm. Grinches in it or monsters or anything mm-hmm. cool. So I was like, nah, looks looks like a little kid movie. But with Santa Claus, I don't care about Santa Claus. Yeah. But uh, now I'm like, hey, a lot of people regard this as like a really good little uh, piece of 1947 filmmaking. So mm-hmm. checked it out, and yeah, RJ, this movie's pretty good. Really? Uh, Tell me about it. Well, uh, this movie follows uh, this old, kind, bearded man who just wanders around the streets of New York, and uh, he believes he's Santa Claus. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, huh, that's great, until he becomes dangerous. And uh, there's, there's this ongoing fear that, like, well, how do you... I mean, it, it addresses this idea of, like, what is crazy? And, like, this guy's delusion mm-hmm. doesn't hurt anybody. What does it matter? Like, if anyone could be thinking that there's somebody... And it wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like uh, schizophrenia. There's like the issue of like, well, what if the voices tell you good things to do? Then it's not a problem. It's when the voices tell you to do bad things. That's when uh, people start getting worked up and mm-hmm. uh, people's heads get cut off or something insane like that. Uh, so this is more about a guy who just like wants to hand out gifts and help people out and spread cheer and thinks he's Santa. So that's all mm-hmm. good. Uh, this movie's got a strange kind of full, uh, kind of economic philosophy to it, and like kind of a weird mm. view of it. It's very cheery and like happy and like zany. Like um, I think even for 1947, like it's pretty like goofy, but it's fine because I think it's 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 very sincere in its mm-hmm. uh, making. Uh, so what happens is he starts working for Macy's, the the department store. And, uh, oh. so he's, so he becomes the department store Santa before mm-hmm. they realize how far the delusion goes. Um, because he, he kind of stumbles across upon the, uh, Macy parade, the floats that they have during the big Thanksgiving parade stuff in New York, mm-hmm. or whatever that's actually called. Um, and the, the Santa Claus they'd hired was drunk and they're like, well, <laughs> that's an embarrassment. Hey, you're sober. So they stripped the clothes off the, the make uh, off the drunk Santa, put him on him. They're always drunk. And, and, hey? they're, and they're really uh, pleased with his performance and reward him with uh, being the mall Santa. And the whole idea is that they tell you, Hey, mm-hmm. when kids say, I don't know what I want, say, well, just over in uh, aisle 15, uh, Macy's has all this overstock product that you can hawk onto him. And he's like, well, that, that seems like this guy doesn't know how to do his job. Why should we be rewarding him by telling people to buy stuff that nobody wants? 
And so he like when people actually mention what they want, he's like, well, you know, they have it here, but you can get it at a better price across town at Gimbal's or another store. And of course, Gimbal's. Yeah. So of course, the manager when he hears about this, he's just like, what the fuck? Oh, I gotta get this son of a bitch out of here. But then this like woman who's been told that she comes over and she's like, you know what? I really appreciate what Macy's here is doing. You know, telling people to go to the competition. So you know what? I'm gonna be a better buyer here. I I just went and bought more than I was planning on buying at all. And he's like. Oh, so good. So it's this idea that, like, through like uh, honesty and doing the right thing, it can actually benefit one commercially. Um, and so, all the department stores start getting wind of this because it's becoming a big sales boon for Macy's. This new like mm-hmm. policy of like recommending their competition, and then people are like, "Wow, I really like that. I'm going to buy from you." Mm-hmm. Um, and so they start doing it, and they start getting their Santas to do it. And uh, one thing leads to another, and of course, people start wondering, "Hey." This guy, what, what, what's his pay stub say? He's, he <laughs> thinks he's actually Santa Claus, and he like lives at a an institution. What What's the story about this? I don't know. This guy could be dangerous. And of course, there's that struggle. He gets committed. There's a court battle. And um, yeah, that, that's Miracle on 34th Street. But RJ, it's about... Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the woman that hired him on, she has a daughter, and her daughter's like a realist. She she believes like in like a, an irrational world guided by science and there's no such mm. thing as make believe and so she has she's the one who has to be convinced that this this here is Santa Claus. Is that's kind of like that hit movie with uh, Whoopi Goldberg I watched last year about when she becomes Santa. I don't even remember what that movie is called, <laughs> but it's about believing in it because she had to believe in herself, man. Yeah, she had to believe in herself. Well. It sounds fine. <laughs> That's well, all I'm going to give you. I'm, I'll maybe watch it next year. I don't know. It's one to get off the list, and I think it's actually a good movie. It, the the writing, it's actually got funny dialogue. Uh, it's got mm-hmm. good character moments. It's got lines like, I don't know my habeas from my corpus. It's great stuff. Wow. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. It's good stuff. What else you got? Well, RJ, I watched a Brett Ratner movie from the year 2000 starring mm. Nicolas Cage. Don Don Cheadle as a magic Negro. Uh, I'm going to distance myself from Jarrett Duncan. And I would just like to state state once and for all that uh, anything said on this podcast is uh, a projection of our characters. And it is not a a true representation of our thought and uh, how we are. So anyways, continue about uh, that thing that you said just now. So are you not familiar with the, the concept of the magic Negro? It was kicking around, particularly mm. the, the late 90s. It seemed to be like a real golden age for that trope. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. I couldn't give you an example, but... Uh, oh, the big I, one, I, I the one for me is always the legend of Beggar Vance. Oh, Will Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah, even like it in, actually, the day. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost, kind of. Hey. Uh, she, she, but she's not like yeah. She's kind of like she's a medium, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So she's they have sort of supernatural abilities, kind of like mm-hmm. Don Cheadle here in this movie. So yeah, mm-hmm. the Family Man. I had no intention of watching this movie, um, besides the fact that I've been kind of had this ongoing thing of watching Nicolas Cage movies this year. This is true, and uh, mm-hmm. most of them have been misses for me. Um, mm-hmm. He just, he, he's a peculiar dude. This is kind of that window of time though, where he was like riding high, like he had had that leaving Mm -hmm. Las Vegas and then suddenly he was in the rock and face off and he, he was in a lot he became a big movie star at this time. So this is Mm -hmm. like big mainstream movie star, Nick Cage. 
but then he started having these movies that are just like Lords of Lords Lord of War and uh, the Weatherman and this movie here, The Family yeah. Man. That like, like I'm looking on my letterbox and like no one's really logged this movie. No one talks about this movie. Uh, and it seems <laughs> like the people who talk about it, it gets just dumped on. And so I was like, oh man. And mm-hmm. on top of it all, it's Brett Ratner. It's like mm-hmm. he's like one mm-hmm. of the the worst directors uh, ever. <laughs> Director of just like fucking rush hour and like all his like one short film his student film that he made is just like painful and his x-men movie three awful oh it's the worst piece of shit around this guy man he's just the shits but you know what rj yeah i'm watching this family man and i'm like this movie's pretty good this movie's like a pretty good christmas movie this is like Mm -hmm. this is a pretty good straight up movie and plus like fuck tia Old Tia Leone, I fucking I, I don't give a shit about her at all. And in this, there's like everything's just fine. Everything is just like working. what do you what do you mean you don't give a shit about Tia Leone? I like she sucks. Oh okay, yeah. But you like her in this though. Yeah, like, that's what you're saying. Like, yeah, Nicholas Cage. There's only a couple times where I'm like, oh Nicholas Cage, and then but for the most part, he's like playing it pretty straight. And uh, okay. I don't know. I, I think it's like a. This is like sort of like a weird movie that fits in between like it's kind of like an inverted It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, in a sense. It yeah, is an alternative it's, reality. Yeah, it's it's alternate reality with a little bit of Scrooge with supernatural stuff. Like yeah. between like yeah. We don't have like we don't have a straight up we have a kind of a Clarence, but it's like a flip of it and it's all very vague, kind of a mm-hmm. spiritual realm. Um and I don't know. I I just like after I finished watching, I was kind of like, oh, I really like that movie. That's like actually like as far as Christmas movies goes, as far as Brett Ratner films go, this, mm-hmm. this, this movie's like pretty good. So I have to interrupt and say that I find this shocking and alarming <laughs> that you liked this movie so much. Not that it's a bad movie or anything like that. So I watched the first half of it. I thought it was fine, but I feel like this is so against your your brand. That uh, I found it very confusing. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, Jared gave this four stars. This is the most bizarre shit I've ever seen. You giving it four stars. I thought the movie was fine, but uh, I was very taken aback. Uh, I was watching with Andy, and uh, she's like, Jared really liked this. Hey, I was like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, maybe he really likes this little kid because she's super cute. And I was like, doubtful. <laughs> I said, Jared doesn't like anything. She's like, maybe he just really likes Nicolas Cage. And I was like, ah. Uh, it was like the last like four movies he watched with Nicolas Cage he didn't like. So I like Nicolas Cage. Andrea found his presence um, upsetting. As, uh, as, one, the, as one probably yeah. does on, on normal until they've watched enough <laughs> Nicolas Cage movies to realize, yeah. oh, he, he's normal back then. Yeah. Especially when watch yeah. watch a Vampire's Kiss and uh, report back. Mm, yeah, I, I will eventually. But uh, yeah, she hasn't seen as much, I guess. And she's like, why does he talk like that? I was like, it's just Nick Cage, baby. This is it's Nick just Cage. how he is. It's how he uh, is. I was like, it's kind of perfect casting, though, because for anyone else, it'd be like, act weird because you're in a different world right now and you got to act like you're in a different world. But for him, it's just like, hey, just take this as it is. And then his awkwardness and like the way he says stuff, it's not really out of place. So I don't know. Uh, I will finish it after the podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yeah it was very uh shock and awe at uh your rating of this so. as was i because i mean for all for all the shit that gets like praise on it 
It's mm-hmm. like I feel like this movie's like at least better than most of it, and it's like no one gives a shit about this. So, and uh, I was like going back to read reviews for, like, mm-hmm. from the era of this movie, and I'm just like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like I I think it's like much better than uh, people probably gave it credit for at the time, because mm-hmm. it's like this schmaltzy kind of like Christmas movie. But like over time, it seems like it's dropped off those radar. But maybe it's what people are looking for when they're looking for these Christmas flicks. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You're the expert now, so you can oh, tell yeah. me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're in the middle of watching it, so <laughs> you can't really talk about it too much. Yeah, you can. Uh, I, I've here. actually, I have seen it before. They used to show this on TBS, too. Uh, <laughs> that was, so, you, like, you really got your uh, film education from TBS. I did. From I uh, did. full frame Ted Turner selections. Yeah. Uh, Edited. No, yeah, you can, no you swearing. Can no swearing. No swearing in movies. Yeah. Edited. So yeah, I uh no, I remembered it. I have seen it before, but uh, it's been a while. Probably 18 years. No. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Mhm. Jared. What else did you watch? Uh, I watched some like Disney horror movies just cuz like Disney kids horror How does that movies. Work? I don't know. It seems like light fared that magical world of Disney on a Sunday night era. We had this itch for him, and I picked up that Watcher in the Woods for three bucks, and I was like, hey, let's watch that. Let's take a break from Christmas movies. Uh, I fell asleep. It's very boring, uninteresting. Uh, Mr. Boogity is, like, just trash kids movie stuff. Mr. Boogity. Mr. Boogity. You you probably like it because it's bad, but um, there's there's lots of, like... Okay. All Mr. Boogity says is, boogity, boogity, boogity. (laughs) And boogity, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's like there's, I do, there, I do like that. There, there, there is a dancing mummy that's like pretty amazing, but there's definitely not enough of it. Um, mm. and uh, I don't know, it's got some messed up history sort of stuff into it. Actually, it's kind of reminding me of uh, how Krampus has like a like history lesson in the middle of it with like the beautiful stop motion animation stuff. That like it's like why didn't they just make it the movie look like this instead of with mm. people with Adam Scott with What's his Mr. Boogity dude. Uh, boogity 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 boog mm, and I laughs. like that I, yeah. I might watch it's that it's about an evil pilgrim well you gotta find a good copy of it because the one that's on YouTube is horrendous no I'm fine with that oh no it, you won't be you yeah you you let me you, you check it out and you just go uh no thanks oh we'll see I did watch a Christmas movie after that though uh okay. with Don Johnson called Dead Bang this is mm. a John Frankenheimer movie set in mm-hmm. Los Angeles and uh it's Don Johnson versus white supremacists and he's Does he win? Uh yep, yeah, they okay. they, they always win. He's also like a uh, a kind of a, a cop on the edge as they were in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um he's going through a divorce, he's drinking, he's banging broads and uh a cop gets killed Christmas Eve and uh he goes and annoys Bob Balaban, a parole officer to get Deets on a local scumbag who just got on parole, who he suspects mm-hmm. he's got the matching tattoo. Uh, and this turns into a like cross country chase, jump into like Nevada to Oklahoma to Colorado, um, mm-hmm. as he gets mixed up in with some uh, white supremacist types. And uh, what's his name? William Forsyth shows up here as the like uptight goody two shoes Christian FBI guy who the entire time I kept thinking, Oh, this guy's totally in on it. Like he's a white supremacist who infiltrated the FBI and like he's like always tipping off people. 
but that doesn't turn out to be the case. No, he's just weird in this movie. Um, it's like the strangest thing. Cause usually William Forsythe's at his best when he plays total scumbags. Um, and here he's just like slicked back his weird buck teeth. And he has this particular way of speaking like this. And like, he's like, mm. he's like, he's a radio show person. And it's so weird. And I'm like, what is that? Like, did they overdub him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess he was, uh, reaching into his bag of acting tricks to really get his character or something. But I don't know. Acting. Acting. A little bit of that. Uh, Don Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, he vomits on a suspect. That, that uh, was gross Ooh. and hilarious. Street trash style? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he, he pukes on a guy who he's just knocked out. Uh, and then it's like, because he's just been, he drank too much the night before. And the guy wakes mm. up, oh, he puked on me. I laughed. Uh, but this yeah, is one of those Disney movies? Yeah, this is one of those Disney movies oh, okay. uh, with the cops getting gunned down by white supremacists. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Disney was reaching out into the young adult market making this stuff. They're trying. They're, yeah. they're trying. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this, this was fine. Like, cop action. Um, mm-hmm. Inoffensive. It, it probably should star Charles Bronson because, like, everything like this should char- star Charles Bronson. But, yeah, alas, Don Johnson was the bee's knees with, what, with that Miami Vice going hot still at the time. Stupid Don Johnson. Yeah. I had a nickel for every time he ruined my day. Mm-hmm. And still is. He still is. Still is. And then finally, RJ, mm. um, I, I followed up on Oliver Granger's recommendation. I put that in quotations. Mr. Boogity? No, for Potter, oh. Pottersville. Oh, isn't that a uh, It's a Wonderful Life well, riff? Well, it's got a reference to it in the title. Is that it? And that's about it. Uh, oh, so what's the point? <laughs> well, the, the point of watching this movie is to watch just how incompetent filmmaking can be. This yeah. is this is like sort of like a, a the room mm-hmm. type deal. This yeah. movie. Have you seen the the cast of this movie? Uh, is it Michael Shannon in it? And he, I just meant like, what's the my, point of naming my, my, it Pottersville if it, you don't? Pretty much. So okay. this movie starts. So say, this movie stars and is executively produced by Michael Shannon. This movie okay. also features Christina Hendricks, Judy Greer, Ron Perlman, oh. uh, your buddy uh, from Puppet Master, Littlest Reich. Oh, Tom Lennon. Yeah, yeah, he's the in lead? there. Uh, no, he he's he's like kind of plays Ben Stiller in a comedy movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Lennon. Yeah, ah, uh, Judy Greer, I hate her. But this movie's like. So it's got like a pretty stacked cast, right? Mm-hmm. So what is this movie? Uh, this movie, what's the guy's name? Scott Hendrickson, the director? Yeah, Seth. Seth Hendrickson. Okay. Yeah. I don't know this who this dude is. He like made something in 2004 and has just kind of floated around producing stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was his real directorial debut. Um it's a movie starring it's Michael. So it's Pottersville is a town that looks like it's everything's closing up. It's all for sale. It's all emptied out. So it's kind of like Pottersville ish in that regard. Yeah. Um, and, but his, he runs like the general store that like is the, the last store standing on the block. And uh, Judy Greer is his employee loyal to the fault. And um, oh, Ian McShane. Ian McShane is in this as well. Oh, they got uh, he, McShane, he, huh? Yeah, yeah. Old Al Swearingen. Uh, he's like the hunter who delivers like soliloquies and like deer meat. Uh, and Michael Shannon, who's like whatever reaction Andrea was having to Nicolas Cage's presence in Family Man, <laughs> it's like Michael Shannon is not like a wholesome looking dude 
at all in this mm-hmm. movie, but he's supposed to be. He's unpleasant. He, he's off, right? This movie is like hideous, hideous color grading every scene. Like things just look so wrong in green and like the colors just change depending on if they're inside or outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so this is a movie where Michael Shannon plays the kindly old general store guy. People are like, hey, my husband hasn't had a job. You, can you like put that on our tab? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. He's such a good man. <laughs> and then after getting some meats delivered to him by Al Swearingen, he tells Judy Greer, hey, do you mind closing up? I'm going to head home and see my wife. Yeah. So he heads home and finds his <laughs> wife, Christina Hendrickson, and, and Ron Perlman in the midst of some hot furry action. Oh, I don't really want to see Ron Perlman have sex, though. Well, he's not. Oh, they're not having sex. It's non-sexual. They, uh, oh. they tell us they're not yiffing. Um, but yeah, they're wearing like oh. she's wearing like a big rabbit suit, and he's wearing a wolf suit. But for some reason, Michael Shannon's character keeps calling the wolf suit a, like a squirrel suit or something. <laughs> like because he doesn't know that, he can't tell the difference. He can't tell the difference. You, you know what I can imagine too? They're like uh, Ron. It's um, it's a rabbit. He's like, oh yeah, 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 okay, I got you. And then in the next scene, oh, what's this squirrel doing here? And he's like, uh, cut, Ron. Yeah, um, awesome. it's it's a rabbit. Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Okay, so he finds this out. He's being cuckolded by the the furry community, mm. and uh, he of course responds by going back to the store and drinking a lot by himself, getting really loaded up. Good. And he decides to like, oh yeah, you, you like fur costumes, huh? So he dresses up in like a camouflage suit and puts a gorilla mask on and goes around mm-hmm. drunk around the town. And of course the next day there's news reports that there's a Bigfoot in town. Oh, um, a Bigfoot? A Bigfoot. A Bigfoot. Yeah. Hey, what is this movie about? I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you what this movie is about. And see, I'm not even telling you about how badly shot this movie is and how flat. Because I think it's supposed to be like an indie, like a, a quirky indie comedy. Yeah. But it's, but it's so badly shot and the writing is bad. And like, it just like demonstrates to me that like actors are stupid people. They're very dumb people because uh, they're just like, oh, yeah, this, this screenplay sounds great. Like they were just reading like They don't even know what's good or bad. That's why they're in good movies and bad movies sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. th- this point, that that's the only explanation I have. Um, okay. And so the community's like, oh, there's a Bigfoot. And there's this scene where two guys come up to him saying, hey, we want to make Bigfoot merchandise. Can we sell it at your store? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and they do. And then it's like turns into a big like thing where he's like going out at night dressing up in this like not realistic at all Bigfoot suit. Mm. And like, but everyone like believes in it and they're like, wow, it's really bringing the community together. And then Tom Lennon shows up and he's like doing an mm. Australian accent because he's a monster hunter and uh, oh. he's doing a reality show. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's, oh, okay. It's so, it's dreadful. It is beyond bad. Like, it's so bad. It's shit. It is pure shit. Um, I'm gonna have to probably give this the 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 half star treatment because Good. it's Good. it's so offensively stupid and poorly made. Uh, it doesn't need to exist. It's on goddamn Netflix. <laughs> That that's incredible. Um, good to know. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah, it's available to you, the listener, RJ. Mm-hmm. You can all join in on this wretched thing that exists. You know I will. Uh, you might very well. But yeah, I I don't know, man. This like why. I don't know. I think that, I mean, this is why Oliver wanted one of us at least to watch it because it's just mm. like, it's unbelievable. Like he likes what, the pain. He likes the, he likes the pain and he likes to share the pain. Mm. Like the Jared Duncan approach. Yeah. So yeah. 
Pottersville. Yeah, it's so sounds bad, good. Bad. It's like it's so no. It feels like the room. Like it feels like some, I, I, yeah, some weird. But it's got this all star cast. Mm. You want to hear about all star casts? You ever heard of the movie Small Soldiers? Uh, yeah, I've seen that movie, but it's no Pottersville. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So why even call it Pottersville? Like, I'm so surprised. <laughs> like, what's the point? Well, I think at the end of the movie, it's supposed to have like a wonderful life payoff with the town uh, coming together. And, but it's just, I'm, it's so hollow and meaningless. Just call it Shitburg instead. Yeah. Shitbrick. Shitburg. Mm. Pottersville. Mm. Pain. Well, that sounds like a shitty movie, and you're probably a bad person for having watched it. But uh, well, no, I'm a great person to suffer through it, to bring this pain upon myself. Yeah, potato, tomato, whatever. Okay, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Well, RJ, uh, I've got no news, but uh, I don't know. Hey, you want to do that top five movies that we've watched this year thing? Since it's oh. the end of the year. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I looked at mine, and just so you know, I have zero that are from this year. That's fine. Yeah. That's how we've done I'm, it before, dude. I'm just doing first time watches. That's that's what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, do you want to go? Are, are yours actually ordered no, one to five? No, there's, there's no order. Okay. So do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. Special shout out to the two worst movies I've ever seen, Mile 22 and Hunter <laughs> Killer. I just have to get that out there right away. Uh, I know those are the worst. Hunter Killer is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. You and, haven't uh, watched Pottersville, dude. That's true. That's true. But you haven't seen Hunter Killer in theater, no less. So uh, second shout out, um, special, um, special, uh, what is it? You know when they don't make your top 10, but you're like, I'm totally blanking. What is that called? Uh, like runner ups? Yeah. Uh, Heat and Perfect Blue. Those are very good, but they just didn't quite make it. You so have, I was looking- wait, you have a top 10? Or top no, five. No, I just top five. Okay. But I'm saying Heat and Perfect Blue are uh, six and seven. Jesus. So, well, I was looking and I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to put in here. Uh, number five, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay. Very good. We've talked, we talked about it at length on this podcast. I liked mm-hmm. it quite a bit. I can't wait to see Yorgos Lathamos's new movie, but uh, I don't know when and how that's going to be possible. So well, Yeah, I don't know. I think the favorite's going to be one of those uh, watching it at home type deals. Well, Sacred Deer came out in like December, but we didn't, we couldn't buy it on Blu-ray until like February or March. And I think that's the same with this one. Because I looked on Amazon today and it's there isn't even a placeholder for mm-hmm. the favorite. So it's going to be a while, but uh, yeah, Sacred Deer was pretty good. I liked it. Mm-hmm. What about you? You got any fivers? Uh, or do you want me to run down all of them and then you? No, can we can go it. back and forth. So sure. I would like it's kind of like my debate of like, do I include the movies I'd say were the best movies made this year? Because I haven't seen enough to even. I don't think I want to play that ball. Yeah, no, but so because there's movies I watched last year that I would kind of throw into my. It's weird. So anyway, it'd be kind of a toss up between Phantom Thread and Florida Project for like. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I'm not sure if I talked about those previously on another, like, top five. Um, I would definitely give the edge, I think, to Phantom Thread as, I think, a movie that I would go back and watch again. Uh, Florida Project, I don't know how well it'll hold up 
over time, but I remember having yeah, like a strong, a emo- I had a strong emotional reaction to that movie watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about the ending of that movie still kind of makes me go, oh. But uh, I think like uh, from a intellectual standpoint uh, and like kind of knowing where P.T. Anderson is as a filmmaker, I think Phantom Thread is like such a, feels like such another step forward for him mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, it's the best movie of any year, really. But like Killing so, of a Sacred Deer, like it's like so close between those two mm-hmm. movies for me. Um, for like I what I watched, but I I think I did manage to watch Sacred Deer the year prior. So edged out, uh, Edge Lord, Edge Lord, yeah, yeah, you did it. I think that's like yeah. So that would be like kind of like on the weird line of movies I watched. Yeah, last well, that's year fine. this year. But yeah, Phantom Thread, man. It's fine, man. Uh, all right. My next one is, uh, this one might shock you, Jared. Mm. Brigsby Bear. Wow. Uh, I was looking at the movies. I rated like five stars and four stars or just uh, likes. And uh, you know what? I really liked that Brigsby Bear movie. I thought it was really good. And I think I, I mentioned when I watched it, I think I was hungover that day. And I'm, I'm like super emotional when I'm hungover. And I was just, it just, everything just worked in that movie. But I really liked Br- Brigsby Bear. I think it was really good. And uh, I'm going to take that hard stance, and I'm going to stick by it. Okay. So so there you go, buddy. 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 That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, my follow-up to that, I think, would be uh, a Criterion movie that we didn't cover on the show, and that is The mm. Breaking Point from 1950. Uh, I, watched mm. this, I watched it at the beginning of last year, or of this year, I guess. And uh, it was a Michael Curtis movie. I was kind of just like... It was a blind buy. I was in the midst of uh, watching noir movies. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember coming across this and being like, man, this movie's fantastic and should be talked about as much as like any of his movies, like Casablanca or anything like that. I think it's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like, at least a bit more gritty, uh, more my speed. But uh, yeah, so that was like one of those things where I was like really, I think at the time, very excited about uh, what the Criterion Collection can do as far as bringing these sort of movies to light that people wouldn't otherwise talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. And like overall, I mean, this year has been crazy for the uh, amount of great re-releases and Blu-ray releases of movies that have otherwise never been available in good quality. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just actually looking over a list of my uh, movies that need to be upgraded to HD uh, and like there was like four movies that I mentioned on this list of like 84 that have now come out, which is great. And I hope that next year, like another like four to 10 come off of it. Uh, so those films that I mentioned would be for HD releases, things like Maximum Overdrive, Ooh. Uh, The Mangler, uh, Threads, uh, the atomic horror movie. Um, there's one other one, off, I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, um, it's very nice to see things that like are finding new audiences when they're being released on hard disk. So mm-hmm. yeah, Breaking Point, I think it always been kind of like, it was available on DVD on some like multi-packs and kind of like buried because it's like, oh, it doesn't start anyone that's like anyone's favorite director or actor or anything like that. But it's just like a great little hard-boiled thing about a man trying to do right by his family and doing underhanded things. And uh, yeah, I totally think it's a good man movie good, and it's a good time. <laughs> Man movies. Man we're not movie. about that. <laughs> Aren't we, though? Aren't we, though? Uh, speaking of man movies, so uh, my number three was uh, what you just said, uh, Phantom Thread. Ooh. Really like, I don't have a, a ton to add to that either, but uh, I love that movie, man. I thought that movie was so fucking good. I loved it. Yeah, that movie's, loved it. That movie's ace. <laughs> you already talked about it, so I don't have well, I didn't ta- to talk. Well, I didn't talk too much about it. Any, any thoughts about it at this point? 
Uh, I still think about that movie. I watched it like eight months ago. Uh, I don't know. There, there's so it's so smooth, and everything like I don't know, Daniel Day Lewis is just so good at what he does. And I know he said he retires, but I hope not because I've heard his son's rap, and I don't think his son is gonna make it. So Daniel Day Lewis should probably be in a oh, couple more movies yeah, to I mean, help his son out. Well, this year I got to watch Nine, which underlay mm-hmm. the fact that Daniel Day Lewis isn't always great, and he should not sing. Yeah, th- that's true. No. But uh, in Phantom Thread, he's amazing. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I love the interplay between them, like the relationship. And uh, especially this year when we watched like Rebecca and then finding out like the links to that. And it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that is a thing there. And then I don't know. The more you dig into Phantom Thread, you're like, oh, hey, it's a ghost story. And it's like, oh, hey, it's like a sad son movie who like misses his mom. And it's this like family dynamic. I don't know. Everything about Phantom Thread, I think, is good. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they think that movie is boring. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've, I've, I have encountered people say that as well. I I've heard a lot of people say that. And I'm like, really? And I was like, I love that movie. Like, I thought it was, comp- I was like super entertained by that and like couldn't look away. So I don't, I don't know where this boring business comes from, but what are you going to do? Nothing. What are you going to do? Um, another contemporary movie. The, probably the, I think probably my favorite movie that I've watched this year of the four. And like, there's been no big blow away movie yet uh, yeah. that I've seen, but uh, the sisters brothers, I think is. The, oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I saw some screen caps of this pop up the other day and yeah. I'm just like, fuck that movie was so good. And it's like uh-huh. the one that like the least number of people I follow have watched. Well, shit. Everyone's got, I, didn't, ev- ev- I didn't know it was that good. Well, I mean, everyone's all about Suspiria, whether they like it or not. And uh, I think they, if you have to ask whether you like it or not, then it's not a good movie and you're making excuses for it. Well, there's people who are like, I, I think I have to absorb it again. I had to watch it a second time to really understand That's my bullshit. feelings. And I just like go, eh, I don't know. When I, say, when I feel that way, I don't know if I really like the movie that much in the first place. Yeah. But I don't know if I didn't, I didn't feel like I didn't dislike it. I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but I don't think I'd be like, I, it might be my favorite movie of all time when I'm done watching it again. And it's like, yeah. eh, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I, I think that rules it out immediately. But we, uh, we, I yeah, mean, we still haven't seen it, but like, I honestly like. Couple weeks. I've heard that too, where people are just like, "Oh, uh, I'm not sure if I liked it or not," and it's like, "Well, then you didn't like it." Like, no, I, I don't disagree know. with that. That's not right. Well, I, I know <laughs> we we've said that sometimes too, but like, I don't know the way the way I've heard people talk about it, where they're like, "It's not quite this; it's this other thing," and it's like, "I'm not sure if I love that or I love it or not," and it's like, I don't know. I feel like people are just making a lot of excuses for this movie when it it sounds like well. It sounds like you didn't like it. I, I don't is agree with what that, I'm though. trying to say. Yeah, but I don't agree with that because it's very we'll like see. it's very definitive. Like I mean, either like yeah, yeah it's like oh, it's got you either liked or you didn't like it. It's just yeah. I don't know. It's not very. We'll see. Did you, you like Hereditary? I, exactly. I don't know, yeah. I, but I wouldn't. I'm not going to be like I think it might be one of the best movies. I'm like no, I genuinely do not know how I feel about that movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a strange film. <laughs> like I like I I feel like if I like it, I feel like I'm being tricked. Like, cause it feels like there's like some uh-huh. really dumb things about it that I'm like, am yeah. I the only person seeing how stupid this movie is? Or like, but then I watched Halloween and I was like, mm-hmm. there's some like pretty goofy things in this movie too. And I'm like, this movie actually feels more similar to Hereditary than others. So maybe, yep. maybe there's something to Hereditary. That's, I, I, that's how I, that's why yeah. I'm like, I'm taking this stance. I'm like, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm like, but I definitely know that Hereditary is like not even in the running for like best movies i watched this year because it's just not like i know i know what i I know what it is but i'm not going to be like oh 
I'm not going to dither. <laughs> like I'm. Just yeah, like, that's oh, yeah. That that's all I was trying to say. Not that uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Not the yeah. uh, not knowing how you feel about it. The thing I think is the people I've heard say that it seems like they're trying to like justify liking it, and it's like it. I don't know. It it comes off weird. It's like it sounds like to me at least. It's like it sounds like you don't really like it, but you're like rationalizing it in some way. So, but yeah, sisters, so sisters, we'll brothers, though. Yeah, hey, sisters, brother. That sounds like a good show. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a very, uh, very good show. And like, like I said, uh, it kind of it's gonna be on my list, I think, because everyone's like more like, oh, Ballard of Buster Scruggs. And I'm just like, I didn't think that was all that great. Sisters, brothers is hands down a superior movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I, hey, I'm the guy who likes the family man, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, that I think that's gonna come come against you sometime. No, why well, it shouldn't? <laughs> people like way worse things. Over people are really that. gonna come after you, dude. Hey, when I was thinking about it, I was wondering. I was thinking about the movies that I'd give three and a half stars in the Criterion Collection, and I'm like, I like mm-hmm. the Family Man more than most of those, so I guess I'd give it a four star. Well, we'll see. We'll see if anyone else watches the Family Man. We'll see. Uh, I have not finished it, so <laughs> I cannot say. Yeah, but. I don't know. Well, you'll just say it didn't blow your dick off. <laughs> but it's uh, true. Yeah. It's true. So what's your uh, follow up there? Um well, I mean, you gave me such a nice opening. I was going to save it for number one, but whatever. <laughs> Ninja scroll, baby. <laughs> uh I couldn't not put that on on my list because I mean that's blowing dicks off left and right. So Ninja Scroll is a superior film. Uh is it the best anime I've seen? No. But uh, that day I watched it, man, it really hit me right. And I was like, fuck yeah. This movie's blowing my dick off. Yeah, what do you feel about Ninja Scroll? I feel like you never really got a chance to talk about it. Well, I did. I, I like Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll's like everything you kind of want in an anime. But uh, mm-hmm. there's also the weird rapey shit that... The uh, rape stuff. It's pretty pretty gnarly. Kind of like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it's, like into, when it's doing the... Uh, crazy fight over the top and stuff like that it's great but then when it gets into the uncomfortable japanese sexual politics uh with that like infest yeah. all corners of their media it seems it's kind of like mm, good problematic it's, it's hard to recommend you know you could recommend yeah. ninja scroll to the dudes but when it comes to like women you'd be like well how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Yeah. So, I mean, like, for instance, uh, Chanel. Chanel loves Violence Jack. Um, yeah. th- and that is repugnant on a whole different level from Ninja Scroll. But, mm. uh, cause it, but I don't even know if she's actually seen the real, un, like, uncut, or the uncut version, if she's seen the edited version. I'm not sure uh, the release history of it that she's had. But mm-hmm. uh, we got the DVD set of those, and those movies go to some uh, some dank places. And, like uh, memes? No, way d- much darker. Like much down, danker? Like, much, yeah, deep in the dungeon. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. So maybe I'm being protective of of genders or whatever by saying like, Ninja Scroll is not for everybody. And when we, when, especially no, when, I, especially I, when we I, talk I totally about agree with dicks that. being blown off, I'm kind of like, yeah. yeah, Ninja Scroll, it's not like, like, I liked it. And it's like, if I was mm-hmm. talking to somebody who's like, hey, I want to watch some like fucking crazy anime ninja scrolls like uh the what should be at the top of that list like because mm-hmm. it's like i mean there's evangelion but that's like a different type of thing i think most pe- i think yeah. a lot of people should be able to get into that um because it's just like i mean I, mm-hmm. as one gets older i don't know but you watched it not that long ago and you were super into it so what ninja scroll even evangelion oh yeah yeah that thing's awesome i think there's a point too though where it's like 
some some animes like i think when we were talking about uh what's that one Ma- uh, madoka magica yeah where i think i was halfway through and i was like mm. i was like i don't really know why jared recommended this and then in the last couple episodes i was like oh i get it uh and then it like really came through where i think with the neon genesis i think it was earlier than that i think after like two three episodes i was like this is really cool i was like but i'm not really sure where all this like this uh, biblical level praise comes from. And then I think it was like episode well, five or six. If, then you're like, oh. Well, I think it really flips, though, like it, halfway through the series. That's like, it's, it, it's like episode eight or nine when when they force him to pilot it. And then like the other the kid in the other one like dies or something. Then you're like, oh. But yeah, then it just starts getting more ambitious. And then the angels yeah. are getting weirder and more abstract and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Neon Genesis is wicked cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja Scroll, though, uh, it blows dicks off, and I had to include it because it is, uh, you know. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend that to people. I would never tell anyone to watch Ninja, Ninja Scroll <laughs> other than on this podcast every yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's never funny. in real life, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's the difference between you and I. <laughs> mm. Well, what's uh, your Ninja Scroll? Uh, a Dark Song, I guess. So, Ooh, yeah. so yeah, you so really like that movie. I really, really like this movie. Um, it like, again, I think my uh, go-to is like checked all my boxes of like sort of stuff that I'm looking for when I'm looking for horror movies. Kind of like serious, like more like serious-minded horror that like is actually about like intense people's reactions to like a supernatural world that like it, it's what you I want, but I never get. And so when I watch started watching Dark Song, I'm like, oh. This is going right. Well, this is going along just fine. And then I'm like, wait, it's just going straight along with all the logic that I ever want in these things. And mm-hmm. the thing that always blew me away uh, was that no one talked about this movie. Or when they have seen it, they were kind of like indifferent to it or kind of like soft on it. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't trust anyone's opinions about anything anymore. Because um, mm-hmm. it's just like this movie is amazing. And like for me <laughs> and like no one, I, it's like by pure chance uh, that Patton Oswalt watched it and loved it. And then I saw our boy Mike Flanagan's on about this movie too now. And it's like, yeah, this movie's great. And uh, the the horror community, your bloody disgustings, your shockwaves, all these <laughs> yeah. chumps, they all like, what are, what are the, what's the point of these people? They don't fucking watch movies. Do they just mm-hmm. pat each other on the back about one another's accomplishments and not like focus on, hey, these people are doing it right. Watch this. Or when they are on about something, it's like you're watching, you go, that's it, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That is it, man. That's yeah. the way the cookie crumbles. Way it sounds like a, a good show. I would like to watch it eventually. Yeah. Well, Halloween's only uh, ten months away. Uh, is it a Halloween movie though, or should I, could I just watch that in you, like you could, March? You, well, you got you should be watching that, and you should be watching the Ritual too. Uh, I'm almost done the book. I got like less than a hundred pages left. Hurry up! So. uh I'm trying. Giddy, giddy Slow up. down. Giddy up, little doggy. You got. I slowed down during the months. You know those winter months. You know. <laughs> you know. So you got one more for me. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay, I'm gonna hit you with one out of left field, Jared. So I was looking at my. Uh, I, I only had. I only rated four or five movies five stars last year. Or this whole year. And three of them were rewatches. Mm-hmm. One of them was Phantom Thread. One of the other ones was The War of the Worlds. That H.G. Wells flick from the 50s. Ah. So this was uh, this was when I was on that sci-fi, 50s sci-fi kick. Uh, and 
when I watched it, and then I'm just looking at my review here, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, this is like the be- the peak of that 50 sci-fi stuff for me. It's got everything you want in it. There's uh, like aliens are wasting dudes. There's chaos. Apparently, in my review, I said there's fat kids eating ice cream. That sounds cool. I don't even remember that, but I, I love that. <laughs> uh war of the worlds is awesome it's got like all the technicolor stuff um and it's got everything that i think you would want in one of these 50 sci-fi movies where there's things you watch some of them and you're like "Mm, i wish they did this or it did that and then in this one everything's kind of like logical it's like yeah that's it's probably what would happen it's like yeah aliens wouldn't like bother talking to people they would just fucking blow people up uh and then people would just be super shitty and they would start like robbing each other and doing this and that. I really liked that war of the worlds. I thought it was a good show. I still haven't watched it. That's not true. I think I've watched it a long time ago mm. and, uh, I was kind of like in pretty indifferent to the movie. And now mm. you have me kind of curious to see if, uh, you're uh, onto something flip. here. I would, uh, I would watch it, but I would also prime yourself with it first. Like watch two other, and it can be any 50 sci-fi watch two other 50 sci-fi, any, anyone and then watch war of the world even like the day that earth stood still uh yeah that's a that's another high class movie you're talking about the remake with keanu reeves right obviously obviously yeah that one's really good but i i would give uh, war of the worlds the edge well rj for my uh final movie i'm going to cheat and I'm going to be, mm-hmm. I'm also going to put over our. Are you po- going to do our, Twin Peaks again? No, I'm going to cheat and put our podcast over because uh, okay. I would not have watched these two movies if it weren't for this podcast. Mm. And that's in our, in our creep. Uh, I feel it would be fitting to mention uh, the two best first few films we watched or first two films I watched that were like really, really good. And that is uh, Lettre, the, mm. the, 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 fr- the French prison film and mm-hmm. that obscure object of desire. Um, oh, yeah. you really like that, huh? I did. Yeah, I really liked both uh, those movies. Uh, mm-hmm. First time viewings, uh, Latro being a prison movie, gritty man times, fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, sticks to its guns, has a really wonderfully poetic, satisfying ending um, mm-hmm. that just makes sense because there's always the question of in a prison break, what happens when they get out? And it's like not it, it's they're gonna get caught, and so this movie deals with that in like the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obscure object of desire, I liked. I yeah, I don't know if I love this movie. I really, really like this movie. Um, yeah, of uh, Benwell's movies, it's up there. Um, it's a, it was a totally pleasant surprise. Like I said, when I went into this, I was kind of like, oh, I bet you it's not gonna be awesome, and then it kind of was. And uh, the hilarity that will always. This movie will bring to me that you're not noticing that uh, two actresses play the same character. That's still one of the strangest things I've ever it, heard in my life. And then it's not on top just of me. that, on top of that, getting an email from a listener saying that they didn't realize it either is just more dumbfounding. So uh, that is worth something for me. I think you're the outlier here. Then sure. So that's, that's the only thing that makes sense is that you're you're the one. Sure. No, am I wrong? No, no, it's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> That's right, Seymour. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, this podcast was worth something, if only for you to find two movies that you actually enjoyed watching. You, the co-host. Yeah, 52 yeah. movies later. Well, a lot of the movies that like uh, were five stars or whatever, like I'd mm-hmm. seen already. So... That's mostly for me. Well, not actually, not necessarily. Well, Maybe lady, half of what them. What about that Lady Eve? That that movie. Lady is, Eve uh, is pretty good. Yeah. 
pretty real good. Yeah. Pretty real. I'm pretty sure Lady Eve's uh I don't know if it's a Brigsby Bear or anything. Or a ninja scroll. Didn't I liked Brigsby Bear, man. <laughs> that movie is very okay. Yeah, I remember you you were okay on it. It was okay. It's not bad. It just uh it didn't know, Jared. I liked it. It, it didn't it didn't deep it didn't take that deep dive into the psyche. It seems so nice and mm-hmm. uh it was a nice movie. Yeah, uh, that's about it. It was very wholesome. Yeah. See, give me give me some gummo. Give me a little bit of happiness, you know? Mm, I don't know about this gummo <laughs> business, but uh, yeah. all right. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't know, RJ. I don't know if a movie's uh, any good if it doesn't feel like it was shot on the inside of a used condom or not, you know? Uh, I think people have described you like that <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> this Jared guy he sounds like he was a recording on the inside of a used condom. Yeah. Was it his? No one knows. It was the hobo down at the library. Oh, one of those guys. Yeah. One of those guys. Well, gross. After the break, we danced the Charleston. The what? out of money. Insolvent? You only have enough cash for the next three customers! Just a second here. No, no. I, I don't have your money here. It's in Bill's house and, and, and Fred's house. Hey, what the hell are you doing with my money in your house, Fred? <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, it's wonderful news. For when all these wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. For never before has any film contained such a full measure of the joy of living, the drama of living, and above all, the glorious romance that makes this such a wonderful life. Don't you ever get tired of just reading about things? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't want to get married to anybody, you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And, and you... And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight, for that Criterion Laserdisc dip for the holidays, we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life from 1946, directed by Frank Capra. The film's tagline, It's a Wonderful Laugh. It's a Wonderful Love. (laughs) And the the synopsis for the film. A holiday favorite for generations. George Bailey has spent his entire life giving to the people of Bedford Falls. Uh, all that prevents rich skinflint Mr. Potter from taking over the entire town is George's modest building and loan company. But on Christmas Eve, the business's $8,000 is lost and George's troubles begin. So, RJ, this It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I imagine that many people are familiar with this movie. Uh, it has been a constant fixture on television my whole life. Uh, that wasn't always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a window of time. It was like a weird, like rights issue where this movie just like was not screened. It wasn't on TV for like, I don't know, 10 years plus longer. And so this movie totally fell out of view. Um, mm-hmm. when it was released initially, it was kind of viewed as just like, uh, minor Capra Capra's lost it. Who cares? And then we kind of just went away a little bit. Uh, there was a colorization that happened to it in the like about 10, 10 years later, I guess. It's because mm-hmm. that's what that was the in thing. You got colorized. Um, so a lot of for some people, the first time they ever saw this, they saw a colorized version of it, um, which is actually on the mm-hmm. Blu-ray that I own. But I've never uh, bothered to pop it in because what's the point? <laughs> um, have, oh. uh, on a side note, have you ever seen a colorized movie before? Yes, I have. I believe. Uh... The first attempt at watching My Man Godfrey was colorized. Oh, yeah. And I think I, I messaged you and I was just like, hey, wait a minute. Is this movie supposed to be in color? And you're like, no. No, it's not. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just stop and uh, I'll try again later. Uh, the legal copy I bought was colorized, so I had to go buy a, a separate legal copy that was the original black and white. Yeah, the other uh, movie I always remember... Um... Uh, is Night of the Living Dead. There's a lot of colorized mm-hmm. copies of that floating around. But there's times where I've seen like stills of it online and I go, oh, that's got kind of like a nice like kind of pop art sort of look to it. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to watch an entire movie that way. Anyway, particularly if it was It's a Wonderful Life. So this mm-hmm. is a movie that like it's, it's always been around, but I did not watch this movie like from start to finish uh, and like kind of comprehending it till I don't know five, six, seven years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm watching all these, uh, the obvious Christmas movies. Gotta watch It's a Wonderful Life, I suppose. And I remember watching this movie and kind of like being just like knocked out by like how good this movie is. Because um, there's very few movies that exist that I think 
capture goodness in like a sort of non clunky, uh, ill, like, I don't know, cynical way. It's non cynical, like very like, Hey, this movie actually comes from the place that it's like actually coming from. It's mm-hmm. not trying to be like, Hey, let's be sentimental because it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause in fact, uh, Frank Capra did not set out to make a Christmas movie at all. Um, it's not really at Christmas that much anyways. No, but yeah, but it's like kind of become attached to that so much yeah. because it's all takes place over Christmas Eve and like the, all the major kind of like mm-hmm. big emotional moment comes at the end of it. But like, cause yeah, uh, one's life is not lived in Christmas Eve in itself. It's, uh, lived over the course of every other day of the year for years and years and years. And Christmas, unless is just you're a Shane day. Black movie, unless you're a Shane Black movie and you just want to perpetually live in a constant state of, uh, red, green, bright lights and, uh, mm-hmm buying stuff and feeling good <laughs> mm, yeah interesting point yeah so mm. uh yeah it's a wonderful life it does not have that those great those big old colors it's just sort of like a wet cold dreary affair um mm-hmm. as as the, as the as it goes into the night um but yeah so yeah the first time i really actually sat down and watched this movie uh it always been a movie that my dad was like it was like his favorite movie like, yeah. but I, I never actually ever saw him watch this movie. He seemed to like, like this movie, but I never knew if he actually had seen it all or like, it's kind of like <laughs> the wizard of Oz is another one of those movies that he really like loves. Um, so when I watched it, finally, I was like, I watched it and I was like, holy crap, this movie's like, like has makes me feel ways that I've never felt before watching a movie <laughs> as far as like, uh, like <laughs> being like on that, like just like the verge of tears at various moments of it. Um, last to this day. Yeah, uh, uh, last oh, year, wow. last year I watched this uh, with the whole family at my, at my parents' place. Uh, my dad, mm-hmm. my mom, uh, my sister, her husband, uh, me and Chanel. And the end of that movie, we were sobbing. <laughs> Was it? Uh, I just I gotta ask: Is it the part when they open the book? And it's the little message inscribed by Clarence. Is that the part oh, that chokes you up? Or is all, it just everything? It. Everything. The, yeah, the, okay. the, the, the goddamn barrage. I don't know. And I, mm-hmm. This time watching it uh, through tears, uh, it's like I have no idea how it works. Like what is the mm-hmm. formula that like just makes it resonate that way? Where you're just like overwhelmed by this like pleasantness and goodness mm-hmm. of a community coming together. And you're just like, oh man, it, it works every time uh, that I've watched this movie. And uh, there's like very few movies um, that are like this. It's weird. The one movie that like I kind of grouped this in with is um, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. Uh, oh, okay. where, where you yeah. have the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, she is just like the most happy, upbeat, <laughs> wonderful person ever. <laughs> That's ever lived, and like you mm-hmm. just want, like you, no one, ex- no one like this exists. No one can ever be like this all the time, mm-hmm. and it's just like I'm. Just, I got to keep going. I got to keep moving, and this is just like the way it is because this is the right thing to do. I don't give okay. a shit. And this movie, like George, isn't like that. <laughs> George, mm-hmm. George, George is like a pretty good guy, but he gets down like everybody, and there's like a reality to that that I think maybe like makes him kind of relatable in that sense that he's this person who keeps giving and giving, but he does get, he gets worn down. He gets worn Mm -hmm. down kind of like uh, Willem Dafoe as Jesus in the last temptation of Christ. He's not this, like the mythical version of a Christ. He is a guy that like, it gets beat down and he's like, why the fuck am I doing this? And Mm -hmm. uh, this movie kind of like, I don't know in real life. You don't always get rewarded. Sometimes life just keeps kicking you down, kicking you down, kicking you down. But in movies, RJ in cinema, you can, you can cheat. 
It doesn't have to be like reality. It it can right. uh, you can bend the rules and make it do whatever you want to achieve something. And um, I feel like a lot of filmmakers forget that. They, yeah. So I just have to interrupt you. Yeah. And I I'm gonna alienate uh, YouTube listeners, but uh, so you were talking about how you feel like Nausicaa has that feeling for you as well. In the preamble, I was talking about the movies that I really liked. My first time watches from last year. And I was talking about that wholesome movie, Brigsby Bear, and how I really liked it. And that you basically articulated my thoughts on that where you're like, I don't really know why it works uh, because it's like a really happy person and everything just kind of comes together. That's why I liked that movie, Jarrett. Okay. I don't know why it worked. It just kind of all came together. Right. So I just want to I just want to hit you with that. But you yeah. uh, keep talking about George Bailey and uh, all his crazy adventures. Yeah. So uh, George Bailey, as RJ just uh, alluded to, played by uh, <laughs> one James Stewart. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who, who would win a worse contest for me, James Stewart or Cary Grant, because like both of them they have movies where just the way that they speak like i know that's what they're famous for but like especially like jimmy stewart and cary grant and like uh charade it's just like why are you talking like this like what happened to you that you talk like this well like i don't get it sometimes it's a, it's a different America, and even when you watch well, uh, uh, you, you watch a jimmy stewart interview in his like 90s and he still talks like that but mm, what about cary grant was he the same way probably it's just it's just a regional accent that's how they talked and uh, probably that accent has died out along with them because it, it just, mm, i don't know anything about accents people never tell us about anything like that uh, yeah exactly i don't think accents exist anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway so uh yeah this is a movie it opens up with the uh this like beautiful atmospheric shots of the town of these houses and you have these people giving these like really like desperate prayers um mm-hmm. to for some like divine intervention on behalf of this george bailey fellow um we don't really so the first like what 15 minutes we don't even see jimmy stewart uh we just get nope. the we get like yeah these atmospheric shots of uh christmas eve night all these people giving pleas to help him whatever whatever can happen uh then we get the like the strange space shot uh, which is always like, like I always like remember because like I've seen the parody of this before I'd ever seen the movie. I'd seen it in mm-hmm. Simpsons. I've seen it in Beavis and Butthead. Futurama. Yeah, exactly. Like it's existed mm-hmm. in other things. Um, and you're like kind of like, oh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, in this universe, there is a there's divine entities. There are angels. Um, mm-hmm. It is very much operating in that world view. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, what happens is the it's this angel, this Clarence, uh, little blinky, bl- little blinky light, uh, odd fellow, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's being given the lowdown on the entire history of George Bailey, which I guess is being presented as a film still, like or it's like a film yep. reel because there's points where the uh, he's like, oh, oh slow it down there, slow look it down. At, look at that face. Look at that face. Oh, he looks he looks a swell guy. I like mm-hmm. this guy. Um, and so yeah, we get the the little flashback to the young adventures of George Bailey. Uh, where he saves his brother from drowning, uh, where he loses mm-hmm. the hearing in his left ear. Uh, then we kind of fast forward a little bit to when he's a little bit older. Uh, he's one of those underage youth workers uh, that were all the craze <laughs> back in the 1919s. 
Yeah. Uh, working <laughs> when for he's the- like eight years old and he's running an entire like drugstore. Uh, I think he might have been 11. You know, uh, he's like eight <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. he's running an yeah. entire drugstore. So we get like, we get like already the sadness kicks in, in this movie, the, the melancholy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cause we get the, the goddamn pharmacist who you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this old dude? And it's mm-hmm. like, and then he, it, it's all subtle stuff where you get the little, oh, there's a letter on the desk saying that, oh, sorry to report that your son just died of Spanish flu. And uh, the mm-hmm. guy is just like a mess. And like, there's no, no, nothing really brought to it. But you know that this guy is getting liquored up to drown his sorrows. And oh, at the yeah. same time, we're also get introduced to uh, the two kind of uh, love interests for George mm-hmm. um, as young girls. And you get this cute little interplay between them all great little dialogue you can get this like incredible little moment where Mm -hmm. um uh donna reed's character uh mary she like whispers into his uh his his deaf deaf ear yeah and he never hears it and it's like so good you're just like man what a little attention to detail because it's so quick and Mm -hmm. um it just buzzes right by um and then yeah we we get uh george trying to uh ask his dad but the pharmacist saying uh i think there's something wrong with him (laughs) i never know what to do (laughs) but in the meantime that's when we get get his first encounter with mr potter old lionel barrymore Mm -hmm. the the local the ageless man the ageless villain of this film who like Mm -hmm. looks as old as he ever does which is like kind of an interesting touch because when you're a little kid old people look really really old and then when Mm -hmm. you grow older you're like you look at people who are around that same age, you realize, oh God, I'm like that age now. And I thought people were ancient. And mm-hmm. so I like this idea that this guy's perpetually just like same ra- age. ravaged yeah. by time and just like doesn't change. And, uh, well, yeah. Cause Andrew brought that up. She's like, why are these guys ageless? Like him and then the drugstore guy, like, uh, Bowers, whereas like, and I was like, well, I was like, I think it, it's gotta be intentional because they could have made up, did some makeup to make them look older. Like, Citizen Kane had some pretty spectacular. There was a a big difference though in the scale of production value though too. Because this this is a small, like a lot of the money went into that town, like Mm -hmm. uh, the the Bedford Falls town. It's like a, I was like just watching the making Mm -hmm. of on this and it's like, yeah, it was like a huge block. Like they really had like a little community built up. So I think maybe like the things like age effects, they were kind of like not, bothered by they're just like ah it's a parable (laughs) yeah i i I imagine like that was probably it but i kind of like your take and i'm gonna spin it even farther where it's like i i think it was just intentional it was like yeah it's like this old evil guy he's probably around for all time he's like 800 years old and he just looks like that forever so on the on the flip side here um uh, getting ahead of myself, there is a TV remake of this uh, mm. that I watched this afternoon uh, from 1977. It's a gender flipped uh, TV remake called "It Happened One Christmas," okay. and so so George is a woman and she does the, everything that George does. It's almost like it's a line for line remake, like dialogue wise, and they cut out some scenes. Uh, okay. But the guy who's his, his character's named George in this. Uh, he like they do the scene where they're in high school and they're doing the dance scene. The guy's forty five yep. years old, and there is no attempt to make him look younger. Um, well, here it's okay. like so. So I was like wondering, like, well, how old is Jimmy Stewart here? And so mm-hmm. he's like thirty eight or something like that. But he's like mm-hmm. a real baby face. Like he kind of like look because he's so skinny and like he looks like when he's like dressed in like the the high school outfit and whatever. Like you don't really think of him as like looking thirty eight years old. Um, mm-hmm. but holy crap, this dude in it happened one Christmas. It's so brutal. Like, it's like, this is clearly a 45 year old man and he's nice. supposed to be like at the high school dance and like, everyone's like, no, these are middle-aged people. It's like, 
there's no attempt. And that's 77. Yeah. Like, they didn't even care. So I'm like, kudos to uh, Frank Capra for just like going, eh, this is better. And it's also color mm-hmm. or black and white. So you can kind of get away with like that a little bit more maybe than like 77 sure. man with 70s hair mm-hmm. in 1928. Anyway. So, um, yeah. We get uh, the pharmacy scene, and we we get to watch George, who comes and confronts the pharmacist about why he didn't deliver the drugs, get clamored around the head, just fucking mm-hmm. giving it, giving the goddamn uh, hand, his ears bleeding. And then we get the, like, for, where it's, like, the breakdown moment of, like, what he's done and how sad it is. And that little kid, that kid emotes pretty good there. Oh, yeah. He's bleeding ears. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, fuck, I'm I feel so, bad for this kid. Your, it's not your fault. <laughs> Oh my it's god! Not your fault. Yeah, it's like pretty because like up to that point, there's like sort of like a goofiness to like kind of like oh he's drunk, bah, and it's like he's mm-hmm. playing drunk, but then it like gets to like the moment that where it all kind of pays off. Smacking a little kid around. Yep, and then the intensity mm-hmm. of it and how he feels bad about it, and then we get the the time jump, and then we get to see Jimmy Stewart for the first time, and he's yeah. he's on his way out of town. He's with his nice new suitcase. Yeah. He's everything's dressed left. up like Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah, that's that, that was the style of the time. Mm-hmm. Little bow tie, white yeah. shirt, and uh, but of course, uh, the fates have it in differently for George, as he's a, a decent person who just keeps doing right by the family business, and uh, so yeah, he gets impassioned speeches, and uh, one, his dad dies, and time just keeps marching on. The plans mm-hmm. of being an architect, seeing the world, just one thing drops off after another. Um, Donna Reed shows up and uh, you think, oh, they're just going to hit it off and it's all going to be the big old romance. And oh, oh look at that uh, Violet, va va voom. We got some comments from a, a lecherous uh, police officer saying, I better go home and uh, see my wife. And uh, off he goes. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, Jared? He's going to fuck his wife he's got a, because he's got a big boner. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'd like to take another moment to distance myself from the opinions of Jared Duncan. Uh, no, wow. RJ, that officer was going to go home to reaffirm his faith and commitment to his wife because he felt oh. he felt very tempted by her. Okay, I'm on board with that. And then they're going to have sex without condoms because that's a sin. <gasps> Fucking sailors and have children. Oh. Anyway, uh, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I love this movie. I think it mm. is a bonafide all-time classic. I think it is deserving of whatever stature it has on American Film Institute's top 100 list. Um, Where is it on the top 100, like number uh, four or something? It was like nine, and then I think it might slip to 11, like a more recent one. It's in because there. Because Hereditary it, and Get Out pushed it out at the yeah, top 10. <laughs> probably, yeah. probably. That's the less, yeah, and uh, whatever. <laughs> god damn it um, uh-huh. so anyway, yeah uh, I'm going to throw it to you because I could gush about this movie everyone knows this movie um, you know mm-hmm. th- things just keep not working out for George even though he keeps doing the right thing over and over and over again shit yeah. just keeps getting there building up against him and then uh, one day he's out uh, a lot of money uh, I saw somebody recently on Letterbox say that I don't know if George would have lost it over just eight thousand dollars, but I'm like, that's eight thousand dollars. Eighty years ago, adju- well, I I uh, investigated adjusted for inflation. That's like losing a hundred thousand bucks. And it's yeah. just like, oh shit, 
uh, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and it's like you're worth more dead alive. And it's like yup. So that it's a whole, the whole movie is building toward that initial cold open comment uh, mm-hmm. of all these people praying, where George is on top of the uh, the bridge in Bedford Falls, and he's going to take that icy plunge so his family can collect this uh, insurance money. So again, in his, in his own death, he would be doing <laughs> it for everybody else, not even for like selfish reasons. And uh, that's when Clarence, the uh, the old man, the clock worker, the angel, mm-hmm. shows up and uh, winds up one way or another presenting to George a world without George Bailey. And we get the thing that's been much uh, parodied and mined by television for years. There's this really funny list on AV mm-hmm. Club. Uh, it's like 22 television shows that have like used it's a wonderful life as an entire episode template sometimes Mm -hmm. they've used it twice in its own series run Uh, just like the influence of it and presenting this idea and it's a really like it's a science fiction the idea like at the -hmm. the heart of it uh, of presenting like a world without you and just like the fact that like yeah you take you out of the circumstance and everything just kind of spirals out from there um i always with uh mary you get the, the worst fate of all being a librarian <laughs> <laughs> i think that's really funny it's like you're not gonna like it and yeah like, well what is it and she's like she's closing up the a, library an right old maid now. oh yeah an old maid she never married and it's like i feel like that's maybe like better I guess it's not bad. It's not bad. Instead of instead of like seeing her like with a different family and being really happy, like I feel like that would have been way more of a bummer to him mm-hmm. than being like, well, she never met a man that she loved. And it's like, well, yeah, because it wasn't him. So I think it would have been way more of a bummer to be like, look how fucking happy she is. She's a movie star. She's got eighteen kids. Ten of them are adopted from third world countries. Look how good she's doing. Yeah, maybe you should be dead, Georgie. Yeah. Maybe you should be yeah. dead, but instead it's like she's a fucking librarian. Yeah, what a loser! What a loser! Yeah, so you get what a loser. You get all the signs. Uh, Nick, Nick gets a run of place, and he gets to be belligerent. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of dead people. Uh, you get the the biggest one of the big things. You're like, oh man, that's huge. It's like the whole idea of like Harry being dead and what that means for this reality, mm. and that means a whole, a whole lot of other dead people. Um, and yeah, then it all pays off happily ever after, uh, in one of the most earned, in my opinion, uh, endings of just like pure, like ecstasy of like happiness. Of like, wow. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie's incredible. Mm-hmm. I just want to read this little, uh, thing from, uh, Wikipedia that, that Capra said in an interview for the wall street journal back in 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. The film has a life of its own now, and I can look at it like I had nothing to do with it. I'm like a parent mm. whose kid grows up to be president. I'm proud, but it's the kid who did the work. I didn't even think of it as a Christmas story when I first ran across it. I just like the idea. In a 1946 interview, Capper described the film's theme as the individual's belief in himself and that he made it to combat a modern trend toward atheism. Ooh. <laughs> I, I I like that. Yeah, I bet you do. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you I mean, it's... It's not the most subtle uh, Catholic and Christian I'm, vibes. I'm fine with that. It's not you know, over so, the top, yeah, but I mean, it's we, not we can, subtle. We can talk about that, too, because like, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty fine with it in this movie. Because like I said, it's mm-hmm. like it's presented in the movie's worldview. Like, it's immediate. Like, you know that, yep. hey, this is a world where this is the circumstance of what it mm-hmm. exists. There's a guardian angel. It's like either you're on board or you're not. That's fine. And then yep. the movie just plays out. And there's still, like, relevance to it. And I don't think, mm-hmm. like, nothing that happens in it really has much to do with that part of it either. It's just people mm-hmm. doing the right thing, I guess despite there being like some sort of like, there's no like uh, issue of like moral, like punishment for not doing that. Like it's the people do it because that's the thing to do. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where I think the power of it comes from, not like anything else. I mean, I think uh, Capra. I don't know. I don't know if he was successful in combating uh, atheism <laughs> or what. Or when he said that back in, when he made the movie, but uh, when because well, the movie's based on it's based on a, a greeting card essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the guy who wrote the short story, uh, Philip Van Doren Stern. Yeah, it mm-hmm. started. He wrote this like it was like a gift card or a greeting card he wrote to friends, and then he turned it into a short story, The Greatest Gift. And uh, then RKO picked it up. They acquired the rights to it. There's like three failed screenplays. And then like they dumped it on Capra and they gave him the screenplays mm-hmm. and said, yeah, do something with it, I guess. And then uh, that's that's like that's the history of the film. Like it was like kind of this movie that was just like there. And uh, here we are talking about it decades mm-hmm. later. But hey, RJ, mm-hmm. what, what, did, what did you think here of uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Well, there's an interesting history with this movie. One of the one of the main reasons I think we did the Laserdisc series is because uh, many moons ago, I think It's a Wonderful Life got brought up, and uh, I made a comment that you were greatly taken aback by. Do you remember this conversation? Vaguely. Yeah, we have yep. many conversations. Many of them are on the many. record, off the record. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I alluded to the fact that I was like, you know what? I was like, that movie's not that good. I was like, I've haven't really seen all of it but i've seen enough of it in other movies and tv and uh who gives a shit and you were just like hey why don't you shut up you asshole <laughs> and i was like what and he you, you were just like what are you even talking about you're like have you even seen that movie and i was like i don't know maybe i haven't i was like am i talking about the right thing here so watching it now i can confirm that uh i don't know as you kind of said earlier i don't know if i've ever actually watched this start to finish so in one full go now like when you would have watched this it was like probably always as on a child the, as a child and this movie is black and white and yeah. it's long and mm-hmm. when you're watching it with tv commercials it is it would be endless it, it would yeah. be like a four hour like long a five movie. hour event yeah. yeah it would be endless and so i don't think that is like any way to watch and enjoy this movie whatsoever no. <laughs> not not at all and like i i'm pretty confident so i'll just say this movie's amazing yeah, just up front. But yeah, I'll, I'll think I think my like my bias towards it originally was, yeah, I had only ever watched it as a child in the background on Christmas when I was usually like way more fucking interested in whatever present I got that year yeah. is like, this is what I want to fucking do. And then occasionally you'll look at the TV and it'll be it'll be Jimmy Stewart and he'll be like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And you're like, all right, well, I'm not really interested in this, whatever. And then growing up, you see it parodied and copied so much in fucking everything. Like you said, every TV show ever has basically done an episode like this. Yeah. Whether it's this or like A Christmas Carol or sometimes a mix of the two, you're like, okay. So I felt like I had – it felt like I had watched the whole movie because of those instances. And then watching it now for the full time, it's like I remember all of this. Mm-hmm. But I have I, – I know I've never watched this just start to finish in one go. And uh, Andrea felt the same way too. She was like – it's like this is all so familiar, and I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I don't think I've ever just watched it. Because the, well, the, the the movie's like really, I mean, so much of it's segmented into scenes, right? Like it's just yeah. like this scene, this scene, this scene. Like it's easy for me to recall a lot of it because there's everything's segmented, and they're kind of bookmarked between these little like back and forths up in heaven, <laughs> and they're like, yep. but, and those are like disposable because they're just like whatever. They're just there to bridge mm-hmm. the the time jumps. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so that was uh, that was my that was like my gauge on this. But uh, hey, good thing I said that because I don't know if we would have tried to hit the laser disc as hard if I had not shit all over this movie at one point well, years ago. It was a combination of that and uh, Citizen Kane. And you're not ever having watched it. <laughs> that one was a legitimate never seen. Yeah. Uh, that one was just mimicked and parodied through tv so uh good things good things i am the world authority on cinema you can trust my opinion clearly Mm -hmm. uh but yeah this movie is amazing uh it's so seamless like everything in it just just works everything just clicks it's awesome uh there's a lot of little things that i like but uh on the whole the things that I really like about this movie is that kind of underlying message. And it's kind of like what Capra said, but I take something a little different out of it, which is probably good. Like it's good for like what David Lynch says, make it whatever you want it to make. doesn't mean anything or it can mean whatever. Just take it as you, as it is. Uh, What I like about this movie is it's kind of like the idea of one man making a difference Mm -hmm. and not even that it's like one man's life is so important, which is kind of like the point of this one. But Going a little bit farther in that, I like it's it's kind of saying it's kind of like a statement saying that it's like it's okay if not even that if you don't do all those things yourself, like his brother is the war hero and then like this person does his friend is the billionaire who opens the factory. I like that this movie, it's like it doesn't matter if you do all those things. It's okay to be the guy who stays at home. Which is essentially George Bailey, right? Like his, like his role is more important because he influences all those people. Right, but, but he's also the guy who stays at but, home. But the thing with the movie that I think where it works is that you don't realize that is the opinion of the movie because yeah. the whole time you are supposed to be frustrated. And I think like yeah. an ambitious person that has like kind of hopes and dreams for themselves and the things that they want to do, they can relate to those things about um, yep. having to resign themselves to like family obligation and like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't have enough money to go do that thing. Like in this movie, it's like, hey, he actually had that, but then something came up and it wasn't like a, a yeah. financial thing. It was like, oh, something bigger than what I want to do has come up and I have to mm-hmm. do this because it's like I am like fundamentally a good person person and for me to go against my character to be selfish is just like mm-hmm. not acceptable and that's like that's the thing it's like how many movies can do that at all or even consider mm-hmm. these things like it's pretty like and now we live in an even more cynical age than mm-hmm. like this movie mm-hmm. which came out like was made and got released like right after world war Two. and like yeah. that's like the like kind of where things start like america the idea the concept of america starts getting a little darker it gets a little mm-hmm. bit more pottersville yeah exactly um, but that, that's kind of my point, like where you can take it as both things and, or you can take it together, which is like what I'm taking it as yeah. where it's, it is that it's like one man had, who kind of gives up those things, but can still influence other people's lives. But then at the same time, it's like, but you know what? It's like, even if you don't think that you're making a big difference, if you are the guy that like has to resign certain things, like how you said, that's good too, because you're still kind of like serving a purpose Mm -hmm. into society even if you don't think it's like important or you don't think that you're making like a big difference to other people so i like that it's a nice message it's wholesome like you said it's wholesome jerry but perhaps naive unfortunately yeah it's a little it's a little naive but uh yeah because i think it's funny when you do see pottersville you're like oh that is what the world became 
you're like this horrible or like not horrible but it's like you know bars on every corner there's the the whorehouse uh you can tell pottersville is evil because at the town center there is a sign that says no dogs allowed and you're like oh shit this is a bad place because in the very next scene when he comes back and he's like walking through town square there's like dogs there's like birds flying around and shit like that you're like oh yeah the uh, the absence of animals is always the signifier of like an evil place because <laughs> that would be the first thing to go it's like fuck these dogs we need uh, we need a uh, meat for the whorehouse yep right that's what they were going for right uh, yeah they're they're dog eaters in pottersville dog eaters yeah well actually uh fucking jimmy stewart he drops a very casual one like that it's like uh when when he's like, I'm going to college, dad, but first I'm going to go to this party. Uh, they're eating dinner together. There's a scene in that scene. Uh, the dog is barking and just super casually, Jimmy Stewart turns around. And he's like, hey, shut up. <laughs> and I, I was watching. I was like, whoa. I was like, why is that in this movie? Why did they keep that in here? Because it seems like it was just him legitimately telling that dog to shut up, which is like fine. He didn't hit it or anything, but I was just like, that's such a weird thing to include in here for this uh, this angelic character. Well, maybe it's funny because it's like he's like talking to the dog because he can't even be like he's like the, the dog's being a loud and mocked person and he's talking over everybody. He's like, hey, shut up. Yeah, he's like, hey, shut up. But uh, yeah, that's that's my own problems with Jimmy Stewart because. Uh, you know, telling dogs to shut up. But I guess that's maybe George Bailey. But he is one gangly fuck, this guy. Uh, <laughs> did you know that he is 6'3"? Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, tall. He's tall. He's uh, yeah. He fills out those pants well, in a about, weird way. I guess I'm about the same height as me. What do you think? You're 6'3"? Yeah, I'm about there. Pretty you cool. gotta. I got to tell people here. Jared is 5'8". And I don't know where this six three illusion came from, but uh, that is that is not accurate. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, so, you're you're, cle- you're clearly five eight. Oh wow! Is that, so uh, six three is my uh, my uh, my work rate. Like that's my uh, work stats. Yeah, that's your work stats. I'm six six, six three two two hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, two hundred fifty pounds. You're you are a peak physical specimen. Uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, he's really tall. And those old clothes sometimes aren't the most flattering. And when he's got his pants are like his waistline is over his belly button. You're just like, holy fuck, look at this guy's legs. He's a gangly fuck. Uh, But there, I don't know. Anyways, other than Jimmy Stewart's weird appearance, uh, and he also talks kind of weird. Andrea made some connections to Nicolas Cage in this movie. She's like, he kind of sounds like Nick Cage. (laughs) And a lot of his like mannerisms are like Nick Cage too. And I was like, hmm, interesting theory. And I was watching it, and I'll I'll, I'll maybe compile a comparison and put that out on uh, one of our many fan pages. Uh, but uh, it's it's pretty real. She does notice these things a lot. And the other times I brought him up on the show, you're like, hmm, now that you mention it. So this one is real. He, uh, Jimmy Stewart and Nick Cage, they they share some commonalities. Uh, there There's a lot of things I like in this movie. One thing more than anything else is some of the dialogue that is shared between people in this Mm -hmm. where it's just like, I fucking love it so much. Like some of it is so smart and so witty and so funny. And some of it is just dated and like weird. And you're just like, it's, it's funny to hear it. Like when they're talking about Martini, the, uh, the bar owner and they call him a garlic eater. And I was like, Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's some, uh, that's, that's, that's Mr. Potter. 
Yeah, Mr. Potter. Yeah, he drops a garlic eater on him, and you're like, oh my god. Uh, so in uh, the but... uh, in, in Happen One Christmas, the '77 oh, remake, no. uh, Orson Welles plays uh, Mr. Potter. I saw that. Yeah, I, when I, and, I uh, when you and, brought it up, and they do uh, they do retain the garlic eater line. Nice, <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, it's it's just. When you hear that, you're you're not expecting it. And I was like, oh man, I thought he was gonna drop a hard W after that too, but uh, that one didn't happen. But there's a lot of dog that I think uh, dialogue I think is really funny. Uh, this one's not funny; it's just really cute. Uh, when Martini, when George goes to have a drink, and uh, that guy punches George, and Martini's like, "He's my best friend." Uh, it's like Andrew and I both looked at each other, and that's. It was like the ending for you and fa- in your family when you were just uncontrollably crying. It was that moment when uh, it's this old Italian man. He's like, you hit a, my best friend. It was, it's nice, Jared. It's wholesome. Mm-hmm. But I like the reason that guy hits him because uh, when Jimmy Stewart's on the phone, one of my, fa- my favorite line in this whole movie, I think, is uh, when he's talking to the guy. He's like, give me a chance to tell you what I really think of your wife. <laughs> it's like <laughs> drop, drop in lines like that. It's just like, let me tell you what I really think. He's like, let me tell you what I really think of your wife. It's awesome. It's hilarious. Oh, uh, this movie's full of stuff like that. That's, that's uh, really burying the lead, though, on that whole sequence when George comes home. Fuck. Yeah. And well, and he there's another line where he's like, why do we have all these kids? <laughs> and then you're just like, whoa. you're like, whoa, what's going on, George? Uh, but there's why do you have the kids? And then he takes the phone and you're just like, Jesus Christ, this man's really laying into it. Uh, there's a ton of stuff though. Like he has a, a lot of funny lines, uh, during the initial courtship scene where he, they're in costume walking down the street, uh, and she loses her, uh, robe and then is in the bush and George goes, uh, I've read about things like this. Amazing. And it was like, yeah. It's like, where in like fucking penthouse? Well, like, that's the, and then yeah, she's like, George, I'm going to tell your mother. <laughs> I like it. It's funny. It's good. I like it. Uh, and then one of the the other quotes that I thought was really funny is when he goes into the uh, the Bizarro world, and the bartender isn't friendly to him anymore. Nick, and he, yeah, he's not friendly, and he doesn't like the uh, uh, George and Clarence, and he calls them pixies. Yeah. Uh, the the thing he also says is, "We serve hard drinks for men who want to get drunk fast." So and RJ, like, in, in regards to that, I wrote Nick's bar seems to be RJ's kind of place. That is my kind of place. That, that is my it's a note. Yeah, that is my only well, note about this movie because uh, every time I watch this movie, I, 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 I don't need to take notes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I I, uh, I appreciated that and I related it to a to a lot. It's a it's a no nonsense bar. It's they serve hard drinks to men who want to get drunk yeah. fast. They're not into this uh, this gullying around this mold wine that Clarence wants. His mm-hmm. uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, all this. Americana literature. Uh, but there's some quotes that I just think are really funny. There's also some things that in this movie that I think are, I, I can't tell if it's intentionally or not done, but the one that I really like is when George is talking to uh, the other girl, Violet. Yeah. And uh, they're having like a talk in the street and it seems private. And then Violet says something oh. and it's like, it's like a ooh moment and it zooms out and there's like, 40 people standing yeah. around and you're just like what the fuck you're like where did all these people come from yeah 
but they're like a they're like a live TV audience. Oh, they're that's, just like that's the line. That's, that's when they're when, when the he's kind of like on the prowl, and then she like finally is like, "Hey, there he is!" And she's like, because she's talking to, to, to the two dudes in the uh, doorway. Yeah. She's like, "Excuse me, I have an appointment." And she walks over. She's like, "Hey, well, you want to go out sometime? So we can go barefoot walking around out in the field." And she was uh, yeah. like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not walking around bare feet." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I just like how it zooms out in the crowds yeah. there, but there's a lot of scenes in here where it's the, just the expressions of the background players. You're like, man, that's why this movie's so seamless. Cause those little details mm-hmm. when there's those little people doing little things. Uh, uh, we got, yeah. I mean, you got like Ernie and Bert, the, uh, the cop Bert and the cab Ernie. driver. Yeah. 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 That, that one's really funny too. When, uh, the guy Clarence just disappears and the cab driver's like, he, he looks and the cop's like, where did he go? He's like, I think I got to get out of here, man. He's like, I don't like this place. It's a very nice interplay. Uh, but yeah, this movie's got it all, man. Uh, I like the honeymoon scene. Uh, well, the whole marriage thing is awesome. Like where he has to run to the bank and then you have very tense moments. And then you, he, you see him realize that he missed his honeymoon. And then he goes back to this dilapidated house and she has it all set up. And she's ro- rotisserieing those chickens mm-hmm. via the, uh, the record player. It's all there, man. It's all good. Well, and yeah, I like or, it all. Or you even get like that the uh, great thing where uh, George begrudgingly goes over to Mary's place and uh, oh, like, he's so and, like with his, and, yeah, he's just like such an ass because he's so mm-hmm. like he doesn't like because he's kind of like oh I, I don't want to be here I don't want to get married this is garbage and and, and of course like uh, Mary's mom's just like you're waiting for Sam <laughs> Sam's call like it's like it's so funny but like it's like so weird because he's just like he's such a dick like I mean, yeah. like, like his like track record and like just like uh like Donna Reed who's just like um just like this glorious presence the whole movie like her face and like her reactions mm-hmm. are so amazing like she's always up like she's there like there's like not very many people uh that could deal with uh George Bailey's uh crashes I guess when uh, <laughs> his like, highs and lows yeah where he's just like a mess and he's just she's like well i just have to work through this and make it work because mm-hmm. someone has to do it for things to function um and like yeah just like that whole back and forth of her like doing all the sweet things you're like oh hey i'm gonna play the song you know <laughs> uh mm-hmm. the buffalo and uh oh here's the little drawing i did of you lassoing the moon him just like oh yeah, yeah. uh pretty what good what is jo- this a joke what, what, pretty good joke yeah yes yeah oh my god i just want to sit down here or whatever i mean what what is this <laughs> this is so belligerent mm-hmm. and mean and uh but it's why, like why are you here george why am i here <laughs> i don't even want to be here yeah yeah he's, he's a real prick yeah. it's like when he comes home at christmas and he's like you kids suck and he's like why do we even have all these kids stop playing that fucking well, song but you, you get that moment though like when he's like sitting in the couch and his kid comes over and he just like grabs that kid and is yeah. just squeezing him for dear life it's just like mm-hmm. oh man this is like the darkest christmas story ever because <laughs> it's just like his like uh, I don't know uh, that 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 uh, toxic masculinity thing gets bandied <gasps> around a lot, but uh, I feel like that scene it's kind of like whoo, and it's like her like protecting the kids after his like big like freak out on the phone, and she's like kind of mm-hmm. like giving the you should maybe leave for a little bit. You should uh, walk, just get out of here for walk, like walk it off, <laughs> go to your mom's, <laughs> like don't be here because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But but, yeah, then, but, might, but, it, but there's those yeah. moments though where like I mean, when he finds out his daughter's sick, like he's like he completely snaps oh, yeah. out. He's like, "What? What do you mean she's sick? Like what? Because he's like thinking about like, well, I had pneumonia and then I lost my hearing and like and it's like subtle thing. They never talk about. It. They're mm-hmm. not like saying it's like that time I got pneumonia and mm-hmm. like it's like no, it's just like oh, that's like a 
thing that like if you think about it you're like oh that's why he like his concern kind of comes back and then he gets mad and he's mad again because he's mad at the teacher saying you sent her home without her jacket and then he's like pissed off about the house how drafty it is i'm not surprised all of us don't have pneumonia (laughs) yeah i was gonna say it's funny that uh, even then there was that uh that stigma towards teachers. It's like, well, what do you know? It's like, you shitty teachers. It's like sending your kids home with your coats open. Give me a minute to tell you what I really feel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, uh, Uncle Bailey, he, he's a real fuck up, isn't he? Oh, he's, well, actually, it was funny. We were watching this and Andrew's like, so this movie's really just about uh, the, like the <laughs> warning signs for early onset dementia. And I was like, oh, shit, I guess. Well, it's also, He's got like a squirrel and a raven. You're just like, what's going on here? But it's also like, it's like, a, I mean, there's like this lesson learned in there about like gloating. Like really a, yes. like being. Yeah, pipe. exactly. Yeah. And it's like, look how that paid off. And then like, oh, Mr. Potter just keeps the money. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. He's like, I'll just take this. Nothing, nothing ever comes of it. He just like stole $100,000 and kept mm-hmm. it. And it's like, oh, that's all. And uh, <laughs> there's no repercussion, I guess, other than the fact that he'll die alone, other than his right-hand man by his side, all, all Kane mm-hmm. style. Yeah, but that right-hand man's going to eat him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Take all the money. Yeah. You know he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and yeah. You, yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad, RJ, that you've learned uh, a valuable lesson. Um, I'm glad that uh, I, as your guardian angel through this podcast, led mm. you to watching this film to make uh, make you appreciate uh, this is a, a fine piece of filmmaking. This is one I think I probably would have revisited eventually, but uh, I'm happy I watched it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, might... Andrea really liked it too. Good. And she's not usually on, she's not always on board for these. So she really liked it. And I was I, like, I, nice. I feel like you'd have to be a, a particular kind of monster not to be wowed by this movie. Oh, and we'll a get, real Jared. We'll, we'll get there, RJ. We'll get to those, mm. those types. Um, I just want to mention as well. Uh, there is a 1990, uh, family channel for, uh, our Canadian listeners, uh, Canadian film. Uh, that's a sequel of sorts to it's a wonderful a life. Sequel. A sequel called, okay, weird. it's called Clarence. And it follows the adventures of Clarence after he's uh, got his wings. And it takes place, nice. you know, in 1990. Um, it is mm-hmm. abysmal in a way that, like, oh. like the the uh, the remake, the 77 thing, it's, it's just unnecessary. Yeah. Um, like, no one needs to watch it ever. But Clarence, it's brutal. Uh, in the preamble, we were talking about Pottersville, which has absolutely mm-hmm. like, nothing to do with It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and it's just like unbelievable that this thing exists. Clarence yeah. is just like, oh, I can understand why this got made. This is made by like bad, like I'm assuming like kind of like Christian filmmakers making mm-hmm. like these types of hokey family movies. It starts Robert Carradine, who's like, I don't know, in his... <laughs> 20s 30s playing clarence so clarence is de- oh. he's, he's de-aged for some reason and like he's on earth yeah. but he's completely clueless how things work now even though mm-hmm. he was never clueless he was just kind of like a fuddy-duddy old man but this guy's just like oh what elevators how does that work cabs oh, oh there's a guy robbing a bank oh sir you dropped your money <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. all right. and there's like it's about like this woman who's getting depressed because there's a corporate takeover happening because someone wants to develop like edutainment like voice modulation (laughs) 
classic. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a bit where they're like looking in front of this like computer with like a little cartoon character. It's based on her dead husband. And when, but the problem though mm-hmm. is like when the people, when the kids talk to the computer, when the kid talks back, talks back, it's in total gibberish. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm so laughing. I'm like, what is this? Why did this movie get made? This is just the bullshit. Because it's like, he shows up mm-hmm. before she tries to kill herself too. And he's like, oh, I can't remember. I'm supposed to change the, change the chain of events. I don't know. If, I don't know what's going on. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's like, and of course, there's like a creepy kid who's mm-hmm. like, like Joseph, the superior angel god, whatever. And he comes down. You, Clarence, you can't tell people you're an angel. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll be trapped on Earth forever. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's terrible. Um, it sounds like a good show. Okay, well, I, I'm glad I sold you on that. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I mean, the way you painted it, it just sounds yeah. magnificent. Yeah, well, and the director, yeah. Eric Till, uh, his biggest claim to fame for me, uh, he directed A Muppet Family Christmas, The Christmas Toy, um, mm. but but my favorite was To Catch a Killer, uh, which is a telling of John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer, starring Brian mm. Dennehy as Gacy. Uh, that was a good time. Mm. <laughs> it, it was a mediocre <laughs> TV affair, and this is just somewhere way below that. Um, it's that again sounds like a good movie you're talking about right there yeah very good uh and apparently there's also a hallmark channel remake of the 1977 Mm. film so it's also a gender flip movie uh and it was called the christmas spirit and apparently the plan for that was to make a television series which uh ended here like you ended it or oh i ended it a long time ago we're now living in podersville so Mm, I don't think you would like that, though. <laughs> I mean, I would fit in fine, but I don't think you would like it. No. Well, I, I, I don't exist anymore, so that's that's okay. Maybe you never did. Uh, so, RJ, you want to hear about who hates this movie? A.K.A. Um, people no one need ever take seriously, ever. Yeah, because I feel like to hate this movie, you really have to... You have to be trying to prove a point or something. Uh, you have an agenda. <laughs> yeah, there's an alternative agenda at play here. Yeah. Uh, Jake Ludd, mm. half a star. This movie is a fucking joke. Is that it? That's it. Oh, fuck. They just watched this movie like last year. This week. No, it was like two years ago. Oh, they're an abandoned account. Oh, there you go. Great. Uh, Mike yeah, D, Mike yeah. D, half a star. No trolling, just hate this movie. <laughs> okay, it's um, strange. Uh, Barry Lyndon, Vertigo, Citizen Kane, Rashomon. Okay. Like these favorite movies. He just gave Bird Box a half a star. I'm on board with that. Oh, man. He, he called, his, actually, his review is pretty funny. It just says shit box. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's pretty good. But, oh, he gave Mandy five stars, which I know you're not on board with. No. Inherent Vice five stars. What Ooh. the fuck? Blazing Saddles, Last Jedi. Okay. Mm, no thanks. Mercedes May, half a star. What a complete waste of time. I really hoped I was going to like this film, love it even. I've been waiting to watch this for a while under the impression it actually fit the plot of the synopsis. It doesn't, and I thought it might even become a favorite. It didn't. The first 10 or so minutes were okay, and then it just drags on from there. It's essentially one hour and 50 minutes of George Bailey's entire life story, which frankly is really, really boring. It only Mm. gets to the actual 
plot where he wants to kill himself and meets the guardian angel until there's about 20 minutes left. False advertisement much? Not only that, I thought it would be a heartwarming display when the Guardian shows him what life would be like had he never lived. No, it's 20 minutes of George Bailey screaming and shouting about nothing. Conclusion, wasted nearly two hours getting to the point, and then when it did, it was the world's most boring man just shouting his friends' names over and over and <laughs> over. That's literally it. Um... So I'm looking at Mercedes May here. Yeah. And hearing your review, I feel like she got really hung up on the uh, the synopsis, which if our podcast has done anything, it's shown that the synopsis are rarely in line with what the movie is even like. Mm-hmm. So to get like mad about that, I feel like is that's baggage she's bringing to the table. That's got nothing to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the movies that she rated half a star. Okay. Uh, because I feel like some of these are, are very unfair. Like, It's a Wonderful Life, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Aww. Here's one, Jared. Twin Peaks, The Return. Aww. Half a star, which I feel like is trolling. But here's her five stars. A movie that Jared loves and Jarrett is a big fan of, called Baby Driver. <laughs> uh, Lolita, five stars, which I don't really... Lolita's not the best Kubrick movie. Uh, no. But in a very weird note, Twin Peaks, the original, is five stars, but not The Return, which I'm very confused by. Hmm. Very confused. Very confused. Heather's five star, too. Huh. That's a pretty good movie, but it, it's definitely not for everybody and not a five-star affair. Um, Mi- Miplo. Bah. Overrated. Couldn't get into it at all. Half a star from Supreme Chun. Stop rewatching this shit. Oh, my fucking God. What the Norris? Half star. This is like my number two most hated movie in the entire world. I first watched it because my dad said it was his favorite Christmas movie. Dad, let you, dad, you let me down. This movie is depressing as shit. I refuse to watch this ever again. Mm. Yeah, but see, I feel like stuff like that is just because I've said that too. Like last week when we were talking about uh, what was the movie we watched last week? Jesus, I can't even remember. Crane, the cranes are flying. I was like, that movie really bummed me out, and I don't want to watch it again. But I'm not an asshole. That's just like, oh yeah. The movie sucks. It's so depressing. It's just like, yeah, that movie was really depressing and it would bum me out, but it was a good movie. <laughs> just because a movie's sad doesn't mean it's bad. Another half star here from Jude West. I never want to think of this movie ever again. God, fake ass. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I'm not on board with this person. Yeah. Ratings are all, a lot of these people, their ratings are all over the fucking place. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, I also, uh, before recording, I watched the Beavis and Butthead uh, episode of It's a Miserable Life. Um, and it's about uh, a Clarence-like figure named Charlie who comes down and visits Beavis and Butthead on Christmas Eve. They uh, they went out to go like get some chicks and whatnot. And mm. all the stores were closed because it's Christmas Eve and uh, raining. And they go across a bridge and Charlie hops down there 
and basically is encouraging mm-hmm. them to kill themselves because the world would be a better place without them. And then he shows Butthead what the world would be like if he had never existed to prove that, hey, maybe you should kill mm-hmm. yourselves and life would get better for everybody. And of course, uh, to Butthead's like, no, this this place is horrible, <laughs> even though everyone's more happy and confident and uh, getting mm-hmm. along just fine. Um, and then, of course, uh, Clarence, uh, old Clarence Charlie, he just just fails at his task at hand. Um, it's been a while since I've watched a Beavis and Butthead episode, and it still makes me laugh very much. They also did a tra- uh, Christmas Carol one that is actually better. Um, hmm. But I-, I love me some Beavis and Butthead. Um, but hey, and also, I know you're only halfway through watching this, but that family mm-hmm. man, uh, the one thing that I was thinking of when I was watching that movie and like kind of maybe helped add to my enjoyment was I kept thinking mm-hmm. about Dougie from Twin Peaks, the return and like how this kind oh. of like fits into that, like uh view yeah. of like, you have like a person that's like hyper successful, a, uh, a Dale Cooper and you shift them down into another, like a, a, a lower grade lifestyle of like a man who's just living a life of being mm-hmm. a uh, degenerate gambler or working for an insurance company running scams. But he then becomes a family man and runs a, and has a, honest living and uh how that's mm. like that how there's a uh, merit in that as well but uh yeah it's, it's all kind of in this con- conti- continuity of uh goodness and what a life is and what it can be and what we should be uh aiming toward and maybe high-end goals for ourselves and impossible things and filling it with material goods like a christmas carol or anything <laughs> like that maybe they're uh not the things we should be doing but maybe that's good enough for us poor folk and rich people just keep on being rich and horrible and lording over us Mm. i like material things i i do too i've got bookshelves full of stuff Mm -hmm. but uh maybe that's not all there is yeah says who (laughs) i didn't learn anything from this movie yeah and i'm fine with that i like my things and i like my stuffs there you have it Hey, this is a good show. Yeah, it's a, it's a. In fact, it's a great show. Well, yeah, you're probably right. It's wonderful. That's the end of the podcast forever. Could be, could be. Pull, pull things like that. No. After the break, uh, all our listeners show up and give us a whole lot of money because we lost our money. And, I did lose. And they, yeah. they, they, or as uh, in the Beavis and Butthead episode, it ends with uh, Jimmy Stewart saying, oh, all these people are giving me money so I don't kill myself. Well, <laughs> it's not wrong. So, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Join me us too. on Patreon. Yeah, so that, uh, you know, nothing bad happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure you have 
So do you got Andrea upstairs cooking some delicious Christmas baking? Mm, no, we had a bake-off last week, and uh, we did a cookie exchange and all sorts of shit. So what, she gets a free pass this week? What are you doing? I'm doing this podcast. Well, all I know is I got some, uh, some whatever caramel popcorn upstairs waiting for me. So I Yeah, but you didn't make wait. that. No. Oh. Well, good. We're in agreement. Excellent. You did not make that. Yeah. Well, hey, here's the thing. I like sweets. Yeah, I can tell. What does that mean? You can email us at criteriancrease at gmail.com and tell us how fat RJ is. Hey, <laughs> nobody's ever seen me. <laughs> they can they hear it. They don't know that I'm insecure. <laughs> they can hear it. <laughs> oh, I sound like pa- pa- Panos Cosmatios, huh? <laughs> this is oh. the movie oh, that I mean. Jesus. Oh, Millie. He's not uh, listening. Whatever. <laughs> We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm jerking. Jerkin Duncan. <laughs> Jerkin Durkin. Jerkin Durkin, and he's Burnloff. Um, nice. We have a Patreon page. You can pay us, and so we don't kill ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Next week, it'll be 2019, and we'll be oh, continuing on with the Creeps proper with our first Patreon sponsored episode featuring one Frank Solano saddling up for some podcastery and that mm-hmm. episode is spine 147 Wong Kar Wise in the mood for love from 2000 sexy hot dog do we have a wiener uh, I didn't win a million dollars well maybe the movie will be good though. hot dog possibly it's a rewatch for me it's been a I long mean- time it's been a long time since I've watched that. I know nothing of these things. Well, we're going to find out one way or another. <gasps> Merry Christmas, RJ. Merry Christmas, Jerry. How do I sound now? Uh, like you should have that looked into. No, not like a fat podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good night. Um, yeah. Yeah.